this is Spotlight, the official podcast to Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm Jay. And I'm JP. All right, fellas. Not a hugely newsworthy week, but we're back. Uh, I feel like this is going to be one of those episodes where, I don't know, maybe we'll ramble a bit, or is that every episode? Uh, maybe it is. Uh, best, it might be an episode where we're just basically obligated to release one, so we do one every Monday. So That's it. We can we say Monday, JP. Like I start at the start, I felt guilty that we were doing these recordings on Monday nights, but it's gonna be Monday somewhere by the time I put this out. Tuesday morning for most people. Yeah, exactly. You'll be, they've lived before. They'll carry on living. It's <laughs> not the end of the world. Yeah, it's one of them though. We we can't get we can't get too lapsed with it because you know we start getting into next week. Uh, it's yeah. not good. But yeah, people people know us. They know they know that it'll come out if it's Monday, if it's Tuesday. It might be Wednesday every now and then. Uh, but we'll get an episode out. Seeing that lineup for August, like <laughs> we're Jesus. podcasting every day, mate. It's gonna be. It's, I'm it's on holiday. Be... Oh, are you? Oh, you. Can't. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm annoyingly on holiday. Get back on the 11th of August, so I'm going to miss out on the first bit of that weekend with uh, the G1 final, oh, SummerSlam, NXT, all the rest of it. Oh, so that's that's the most pat weekend. Cause yeah, it's NXT. Janela's got shows going on. SummerSlam. Uh, you mentioned the G1 final. Uh, JP, it's up to me and you again. I'll, I'll be is, around for a bit of it. I'll be around for the end, the, t- the end of it, or maybe I'll do some appearances again. I like say, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I won't be there live, so I won't have to save a appeal. <laughs> do, well, do you sit low duty now? Good work. Yeah, I'm always up for that. But you know, <laughs> it won't have the same appeal if I'm in Scotland and I'm not in Toronto. <laughs> Oh, I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll work something out. But yeah, that month is ridiculous because there's all that. What else is going on towards the end of August as well? Uh, all out as well. Uh, well crazy august 31st and that whole weekend triple mania oh yeah of course royal quest nxt uk let us not forget triple mania as well (laughs) same weekend um it is i'm gonna have to look that one up. you should bloody know this being the triple a here we go jp was watching triple a when i got here actually and we were going to watch the lucha brothers young bucks rematch together but it's out it turns out he had the wrong AAA show, so it wasn't on there. Oh, no. I thought you were going to say you watched like the original match and not the rematch. No, I've already seen. Yeah, I've already seen the original one. The rematch was it last night? Yeah, it was, it last, was night. last night. Yeah, yeah. August third, Triple Mania. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah. that's all due, and it's it's on Twitch. So I'll have to. Yeah, at some point I'll be back on Twitch again watching wrestling. Uh. I haven't seen impact on there for for a good while. I don't think anybody did. You see that happen this week on the on the we were slagging impact off last week. I'm still JP. I'm still here hurting about Steiner Maths being on the bad list of all things bad TNA. But I've then got number 25, if you want them. Oh God, I'm scared. But does does it include them broadcasting on Twitch and then somebody by mistake uh, putting their Chrome browser in the middle of the stream or yeah. them going to adverts on the main event a few weeks ago and then never coming back? Or last week, repeating the same episode of Impact that they repeat, that they'd showed the week before, to the point where they had to put it out for free. I think on their website, TNA is always going to TNA, isn't it? It's doomed. What was the bloke <laughs> looking at on the Chrome browser? It was just it was just like it was like the new tab page. I think. Uh, yeah, he didn't yeah. quite. He didn't load up Pornhub. He, he didn't. You know, it wasn't anything too embarrassing. Uh, but it's still bad, it's fella. Probably viral if that had happened. It probably would have been the best thing that would have happened to him in years <laughs> if he'd done that. Oh, it just sounds like a nightmare. I mean, gone are the yeah the you know, mighty days of TNA. Money, Imagine What's if that? he had like fake taxi up or something. 
<laughs> I reckon there could be like a good deal in that for TNA potentially. Pretend to do it by accident. We're, yeah. we're not even calling them Impact, are we? It's just it's yeah. like you said, Benno. TNA is going to TNA. Yeah. Yeah. And I really like Impact. Like as a TV show, they got uh, is it Slammiversary? That's one of the shows coming up in the summer. Slammiversary. I'm excited. I like the talents. Uh, the likes of LX and Sammy Callahan, the lads. We've raved about it on here, but they still can't get away from being TNA. There's just always a balls up in them, isn't it? It's mm. basically, it's not quite shrocked in the staffy levels of ballsing up on a regular basis, but it's just like Arsenal comedy defending. They just make some stupid fuck up, you know, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah, but TNA never had their golden era either. Though, no, let's be honest. It. Lee Dixon, no, Nigel, was their invincible season. Exactly. Where was their Thierry Henry? That's yep. Where was their Tony Adams? Yeah, bad comparison that, mate. Monty Brown Brown was the Tony Adams that could have been. Oh, fuck off. (laughs) The pounds? No. (laughs) What was it called in WWE, Monty Brown? That's bad. I know. That's bad. You need to work on these, mate. I'm sorry. I'm going to get, shall I go through these really quickly? Go on, what else we got? Are we going to anger any more people? Mate, so many. This is going to go on for four weeks, whether people like it or not. Um, Oh, what is it? I got 30. That was it last time. So it's just the, okay. Sting hitting his head on a chair while delivering a scorpion death drop. That's good stuff. Um, oh, sorry. There we go. Patman Jones. Just oh, to, oh, Clinton, yeah. I, I can't, I can't defend Patman Jones. James Storm murdering Mickey James via train. Oh, AJ oh, Styles always being called an up and comer from when he debuted to when he left. Kazucha Okada being a carto. Daniel's getting fired every Thanksgiving episode. AJ Styles in a turkey suit. Booking an IWGP tag title change without asking New Japan. Angle hitting Sting with the bat when Sting was supposed to catch it. Barbed wire Christmas tree match. Mr. Anderson and Sting fighting over who rang the bell. The taking taking the withholding of out of Bruce Pritchard's checks without actually sending money to the IRS. Bloody hell. Um, Dixie accidentally emailing Discovery execs. That's when she called them idiots. Dixie emails a non-existent Terry Taylor account for years on end and ignores (laughs) demons. Doing a Montreal screwjob finish when going hour to hour with WWE. Eric and ODB's wedding. Electrified cage match. Elevated casket match. Match with Sting and Abyss. Mongo McMichael is the special guest ref. Can't remember that at all. Mongo McMichael was in TNA. I need to see video evidence of this. Penta winning the title, then losing it to Aries the next episode. Oh, Rick okay. getting banned from tourist areas of Universal. Hiring Nazis to run production to intimidate <laughs> freelancers into not complaining about money. Deleting the GFW taping master files to save hard drive space. We mentioned it as well. Jenna Maraska versus Charmel, which is Jesus. I don't think I've ever seen it. It's it's that bad. Samojo face the two. Samojo ninjas. Tanae and West reading <laughs> dialogue of their formats on camera. Weird close up of Tyrus's dick. Toby Keith in the battle royal on the first show, and Jeff Hardy's title. So still faster than Triple A, mate. Remember you know when the Samoa Joe was doing that, and he had like a sword, and didn't he kill Scott Steiner or something? Yeah, he called a knife sword. Yeah. yeah, he changed his get up. He had like this kind Probably of face paint, fake yeah. tribal tattoo. Ah. Oh. Mm. I, I can't defend that. Kept you entertained, didn't it? It did keep me entertained because I couldn't. I just found myself around 2004 unable to watch WWE. Mm. It was just like 
it was just like this is not for me at all. Well, I suppose TNA was knocking out of the park at that point. Wasn't it? <laughs> me, that, I just ignored the big ring of Ring of Honor thing that you'd hear about. I'm like, yeah. I, thought, I don't know if I can be asked with that. <laughs> you had like Samoa Joe coming in. What was that? 2005, 2006 took over the X division. Had those great matches with Scott Steiner, the the great Kurt Angle uh, oh, yeah. introduction as well. There were there was definitely glimpses of hope there. Until they, they, until they, they gave him some ninjas. Each and every one of them, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. the problem with Mike Matthews. He's been going back. He's got a, a subscription to uh, the Impact. Uh, can't, don't, I can't remember it, but it's not, it's not global. Uh, Impact Plus. That's it, Impact Plus. Stealing it from ESPN, basically. I, I've ever mentioned on the show, by the way, that I used to... like I, I signed up to a trial of the old Impact uh, on-demand service, and then at the end of my trial, I just had an account for free. And I literally had it like right up until the end of the Global Wrestling Network. Like I could log in and watch any TNA, and I'd literally never even enter the credit card, and it just worked for me the entire time. Got a new one to add to that list. Then <laughs> there you go. Yeah. It was twenty hundred twenty nine now. When they took the Global Wrestling Network down, there was like I can't remember who it was, but there were three or four other people on Twitter going, "Oh yeah, that happened to me too." And it was like it was like the secret society of us who none of us like admitted it publicly, but we all had free access. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, Matty's been Matty's been going back and watching all these old shows, and I reckon it like I I put it like this. I reckon it's similar to back back like in the nineties when. I'd go and get WCW videos from the, the local video shop, like 91, 92, 93. And the people who lived through that era would go on about how bad the booking was and the chopping and changing of the booking and the chopping and changing of who's on top. But as a kid, just jumping in into random shows, like I'd watch a show from 92, then I'd watch a show from 91, then I'd be watching 1994. Those shows kind of stood up as standalone. And I wonder, from speaking to Matty, whether there's something in that with Impact, because he's been enjoying the one-off big shows that he's been going off and watching, just watching the pay-per-views, I think. Um, And not, I think when you live it, when you live through it, like with WCW, you're going to have those moments where it's just you get really behind like a Samoa Joe and then they put, you know, a, a tattoo of a dick on his face and give him some ninjas and it all goes to shit. But I imagine if you're parachuting in and just jumping in on the big events, you don't have that emotional investment. It might be worthwhile doing. Maybe that TNA back catalogue's got uh, more going for it than, than that list would imply. Do you mean like, so it'd be like dropping into seeing a wacky episode of Memphis? Yeah. Like of just like, with just some weird, like... As if a group of teenage boys were booking Memphis. <laughs> oh, Jerry Lawler is one, isn't he? Um, alongside well, Jeff. You can go somewhere else with that comment. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's a, are, we, are we done shitting on TNA then? Because I'm excited for Slammiversary. Brian Cage and Michael Elgin. They brought Michael Elgin. Don't know if mm-hmm. that should be on your list. Uh, I'm sure I'll watch it. I'm sure it'll be all right. LAX yeah. versus Desmond Xavier and Zachary Wentz for the tag titles. I think it's a ladder match. I know they've got a ladder match coming up in PWG. I don't know if it's one in Impact as well. Rob Van Damme's on the pay-per-view as well, randomly. Our, our good mate. Yeah, well, yeah exactly. Your mate. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully JP's mate going forward. We still haven't set up that. You'd like to think so. Um, it would be it would be with... Um, I forgot what I was going to say there for a second. You mentioned about, about, imp- sorry, about pay-per-views they do. The, imp- mm. the, the pay-per-views they do are always... At worst, at the minute, they're very watchable. Mm. They're perfectly fine. They kind of, you know, three hours of wrestling, and then that's pretty much it. Yeah. But isn't that there isn't, But there isn't anything, as far as I look. Yeah, it's it's kind of hot. There's nothing like kind of. There's no buzz behind it. It's mm. like there's there's lots of good wrestling. There's characters are really like, and 
it feels like LAX are that's really the act that the kind of company is built around as, yeah. as much as anything. I know they're trying that top level mix and Elgin cage. If, if cage is fixed, I know he's, he was injured quite a bit recently. So, and he got injured in a lot when he won the title last time. So it'd be interesting mm-hmm. to see what comes about on it. But yeah. at this point, should they not just be just a Canadian indie promotion that has TV there? <laughs> that's basically mm. what they are, isn't it? At this point, um, but I'm not saying stop fucking around going to <laughs> Dallas and stuff. Well, we were just talking about August, weren't we? Do the exposure. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And, they, and they could have like a nice hardcore base up there. But as you're going to say, I'm really looking forward to Because like Slam of it, August is packed. But July, like there's quite a few shows. Like that weekend, there's the first G1 show. Uh, the one in the USA on the Saturday. Sunday mm. afternoon, I'm going to Progress in Manchester for my sins. And I'm randomly getting to see Eddie Kingston uh, against your mate Gresh. Uh, the most random progress match you could think of, and then when that finishes, I can I can I can come back and we can watch the Slammiversary pay per view in Matty's. It's gonna be a gonna be a great couple of days of wrestling, topped off by some 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 impact. And if you make the trip down south, mate, you come to Riptide of us as well that weekend. Is that that weekend too? Yeah, yeah. on the Friday. On the Friday. Wow, that's mate. a big wrestling weekend. We'll talk to you about that one off air, mate. <laughs> yeah, it's a long trip that, but you know we can talk. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited for that. It's, it's, it is the, like it is the summer of wrestling. Though. There's that Rev Pro Manchester, all of those August shows. Yeah, I don't know when we're going to find the time to watch it all and review it all. Well, this is basically the dead week, isn't it? Mm. Well, it's been you know calm before the storm. The calm yeah. before the storm. Yeah. Well, I, one thing I was going to say as well. You talk about a storm. We got some grief about impact last week, but uh, I, don't, I don't know if you've seen this, Joe. But most of the grief we got uh, from last week wasn't about impact. Uh, some of it was about the uh, the Will Ospreay uh, best British wrestler discussion. I'll mention in a minute. A lot of people weren't happy with you, Joe, giving Bloodsport one out of ten. Ah, they haven't watched Bloodsport <laughs> in a long time. <laughs> oh come on! I, I, I mean. Mate, the pacing is so bad. Oh, it's a campy like, 80s action film, though. Yeah, but most 80s action films, the pa- think of the pacing of Commando. If there's one thing you yeah, can say that. about Commando, the pace it is top-notch. Predator, yeah. top-notch. McTiernan knows how to piece an action film together. Dialed. Well, exactly. Yeah. There you go. So, But, mate, go back and watch Bloodsport. The pacing is a slog at yeah. times. When you watch it through contemporary eyes... It was a tough watch. It's it wasn't. It's yeah, so many great scenes though. That's the thing. I, I do. Need, I did plan on going back and watching it. Maybe I'll try and watch it for next week. But like, there's so many memorable scenes. The the end fight scene when he's what's what's his best mate called? Who's like a is he a wrestler or a boxer? The big guy. Oh, um, I know. It's a bit like Braun Strowman. Can't yeah, remember his yeah. name. He's defending his honor. The dance scene in there. Is he the fellow who Bolo Young kills? That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the, bad-looking motherfucker was yeah. Bolo Young. Like I said, last week, the fighting tournament, that, feel, that for me, feels like that's what UFC 1 was based on. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. I, I love I love Bloodsport, but I do I acknowledge I'd be watching it with, like, you know, it's hard to watch it and separate the, the nostalgia and the great scenes from the film, but I don't know. I'd be very surprised if I went back and watched it and gave it a 1. Uh, I, th- I think, uh, I don't know, where do you stand on it, JP? It's a bad film. Cyborg, on the other hand, is a film I love, and I gave that one star, and that's like, that's an incredible film. It's great. <laughs> See, I'm thinking of like I, my one of the Van Damme films that I do want to go back and see is um, Sudden Death. Mm. Oh, I went yeah. to the cinema or watched the hockey that. one. The hockey one. It's less martial arts orientated and 
again, effectively diehard in a hockey stadium. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But it is. There's some awesome like, him fighting the mascot, him saving the penalty to take it into overtime. Mm. It's you know, there's there's a lot going on. But I haven't seen that film in a very long time. That's very campy, Van Damme. Like if you're not in the mood for campy, then yeah, don't, don't watch. I'm that. up for reevaluating the works of of some of these 80 films. One a week. I've I'm got all the DVDs here. I've got all the Van Damme DVDs. I'm happy to go through it. I'm not Van Damme. When was the last one? It was the last Boy Scout. Mm. Years ago for me. I loved that film as a as a teenager, yeah. and I and you told me <laughs> like what watch that again and just and see what it's like. Yeah, not not very woke. I was shocked and amazed when I re- watched it through modern eyes. Let's say it was great. I thoroughly enjoyed every minute of it. Oh yeah, so much it was my granddad when I was what well, I must have been four. Tony Scott was a wonderfully sleazy director, wasn't he? Yeah. Massively, yeah, yeah. Go back and watch it. Okay, that's our project for next time. Uh, the project for next. Two hundred fifty-seven. There's another one to go back and watch as well. When was the last time you saw that? I didn't like that at the time. Uh, no, me neither. That's another. Like. Under Siege, I was never a fan of. Weirdly, oh, really? I prefer Under, Under Siege Two. Under Siege. Under Siege Two. Shit. I know that. Under Siege is. Oh, that's it was notch. the fact that they cast the lead actor in Oliver Stone's talk radio as the main villain in Under Siege 2. <laughs> like, Who yeah. is it? Broadway playwright Eric Bogosian. Oh. And you're like, I didn't see that coming. That's that's a bit weird to be uh, chucking into Under Siege 2. Or has he got Tommy Lee Jones in the first one? Yeah. yeah. And Gary there. Busey. Yeah, I think, I think I've only seen the first one. I can't recall ever seeing the second one. Eric, what was her name? Oh, the Playboy model. Yeah, who pops out of the cake. Yeah, I, I want to say talking about who is it? She was the model of July nineteen eighty nine, I think. And the the magazine That's surprisingly strong knowledge. It's also the same magazine. The magazine she was in, they've got is the same magazine that Buzz has in Home Alone when Kevin or Macaulay Culkin is going for Erica Eleniak. I thought it was. Well, you would know. You know your you know your ladies from that. She was like a well. play. Um, trying to see who else is in this film. Home Alone stands up as far as films go, Joe. I, oh, I, watch, I, watch yeah. that, I watch that pretty much every Christmas. Home Alone 2, I think that's one where people have very nostalgic memories of. I just don't think it's a good film. It's a, a retread. The first, the first hour of Home Alone 2, I think, is great. First 45 minutes, maybe. Mm. When Brenda Fricker turns up with the pigeons, <laughs> uh, it doesn't, it doesn't the, go in the direction. They're just trying to recreate the old man from the first one, aren't they? Uh, same mm. beats. Yeah, that is kind of where it falls apart. The New York setting's great, and I remember as a kid loving it, but it doesn't, oh, same. doesn't stand up to rewatch, whereas Home Alone 1 is still a great, tightly packed 90 minutes. I think film. Tim Curry is cracking in Home Alone 2, though. Mm. Is he the concierge? Yeah, the concierge. Mr. McAllister. Yeah. <laughs> if I can also add, Colin Meaney's in Under Siege. I don't remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. As an Irishman, you should be remembering that. I'm, I'm not expected, what, in order to get my passport, I had to recite the IMDb page of Colin Meaney, <laughs> like Aidan Gillen as well. Yeah, it's part of the yeah. test on your way, NJP. Exactly. <laughs> I have to prove myself, don't I? The accent gives me away You need somewhat. to watch Under Siege again. I, look, I'm happy sticking with Last Boy Scout. And a Van Damme film. I will go try back and watch Bloodsport. Mate, when I got it, you had a triple A show on the <laughs> last night and it was the wrong fucking show. And you won't watch Under Sea. <clears throat> All right. Come on. Yeah. What are you doing with your life? <laughs> Watching triple A, apparently. That's... When Seagull's waiting there with Carl Meany. <laughs> 
Oh, we're in the right. What? Right. We'll decide it now, and then we will have to move on from it at some stage to actually talk something wrestling related. Yeah. Sorry to be an ass. But Benno, what what Van Damme film then? Let's get this sorted now. I would say the Quest is the best Van Damme film, uh, and I think Kickboxers is a close number two. And I would always say Bloodsport's the number three. But you know, do we days. need to rewatch Bloodsport? Yeah, I wonder. Again, I watched it like a year ago. Okay. Oh, you get away with that one. Yeah. yeah. Me and oh. you do it, JP. We'll do it and we'll come back and we'll uh, we'll confirm or deny Joe's Joe's slander. But yeah, we got we got a lot of grief for that. We got a lot of grief for the impact in in a lighthearted way. But on a serious though, like we got a bit of feedback. You know, we we're talking the the best British wrestler of all time, and a name we didn't bring up and we should have brought up. I still would discount him, but we should have mentioned the name. We never mentioned the name Dynamite Kid. I think. If we're talking uh, Will Ospreay, the best British wrestler of all time, a couple of people pulled me up on that. I was like, yeah. To be fair, that is a name that we should talk about, even mm-hmm. if I still... I, I, I can't remember who it was, but somebody said to me, yeah, you know, I'd go with Dynamite Kid, but at the same time, I probably couldn't give him a top 10 Dynamite Kid singles matches. And I was like, well, there you are. That's kind of the argument we were having last week. I didn't get any write-ins for British Bulldog Senior, though. Uh, David Boy Smith Senior. It was on the tip of my tongue to say Dynamite Kid would be in the mm. conversation, but mm. I... I think we influence to get out. Yeah, in terms of yeah. his influence and his mm. impact, and where those that series of matches with Tiger Mask led to as well. Yeah, you've got to acknowledge that. And for its time period, those mm. matches were obviously incredible for what they were. Mm. I've seen a lot of his work from that period of time. I can't say I, I love it, but I get it, and I get the mm. impact, I get the influence, I get what he kind of led to in terms of like generations of wrestlers. But I also think he's a wrestler that needs to be studied and focused on as a warning to anyone who uh, kind of doesn't Some treat say that, that about Osprey as well. Though. Some people will make that comment. Like I've heard Meltzer say that before. Like, you know, he's going to be an all-time great if he keeps himself together. Yeah. People but I think say that. Dynamite Kid is also the substance abuse in mm. terms of recreational and drugs. And being a piece of shit. Yeah, and mm. also um, in terms of steroids as well. Mm. Look at the size of him and all the rest of it and how that didn't help his frame and his mm. heart and all the rest of it. Yeah, I think that's got to be taken into consideration. And the man was an absolute arsehole. <laughs> yeah. I think, well, I would say if you're talking like sort of wrestler at that point, uh, I tend to make a point of it. And I say, is this the point where you, do you separate art from the artist? I would argue that the things about the drugs, as opposed to the personality thing, I mean, uh, obviously he's a, he was really horrible. But in terms of him as a wrestler, it's a difficult comparison to make because we're in the Osprey era, whereas you've got a bit of distance, obviously, with the Dynamite Kid. So you can actually see the effects he's had on a variety of wrestlers that we saw in the sort of 90s and into the 2000s oh, yeah, as well. Yeah. And we, we've seen the sort of long-term impact of what he's had on, on wrestling. Osprey, we don't know. Mm. And we only will know realistically in sort of, I'd say, you know, 10 to 20 years, we can make some, there's some really spectacular things he's done. I think the work he will have done in Australia will end up becoming sort of part of his legacy and the moving to Japan stuff hopefully will end up leading into it as Just well. Just this year. This year will be his legacy, won't it? This year will be the one. Yeah. You think about Dynamite Kid as well, you'd say that his golden period was sort of like 81, 82 to sort of 85, 86, I suppose. Mm. And Osprey has already done more mm. <laughs> that's probably a bit more notable between, what, 2014, 15 and this year, mm. and is going to go on from there. Mm. And there are probably going to be, touch wood, if his body holds up, more great Osprey years, if anything. Mm. Whereas I think Dynamite Kid, once he got that back injury, that was it, really, wasn't but it? But then we get into, and it's, I did, 
I was going to mention, me and Joe saw the Maradona film on Saturday. And mm. one of the things it always made me think of is when you think of the, the best footballers that have ever ever lived. And, and in some ways, what you end up having to do is look at it as a generational thing. And rather than comparing like for like, just because of the different worlds they existed in. So Pelé and what the standard of opposition that Pelé had compared to the standard of opposition that Maradona had. For me, Maradona every oh, day of yeah. the week. And... Yeah, I'm just going to plug it. If you haven't seen it, like it's an incredible film. If you don't like football, it's amazing. He is, oh, as a wrestling, if he'd been a wrestler, he would have just oh, been he'd be pure a money. Yeah. Pure money. Stone Cold Fingers. <laughs> V-Trigger. Like He shows clip, just a bare clip at the beginning. I'd seen it before, but this fight he has in Bill Bow, where he delivers like just a jumping knee to a coach's <laughs> face, knocks him out. One other Barca player comes in, and yeah, it's it's very much like this is no, early nineteen eighties football. He was also aggro. like he was also a major face in Naples, but oh. a major heel everywhere he went in Italy as well. He was getting some proper heat when he was going away, Brett, sl- oh. slagging off the Juve fans at every opportunity. Oh. Guy was that he was a stood in the centre circle wearing a shirt and tie with just stone cold middle fingers <laughs> around, like around the whole ground like, is that where oh. that photo is from from last week that you used for the show image oh no oh, that's, that's the one he, the world cup that's oh, the world yeah. he's doing this while he's still a player this is like 1989 oh, right. doing yeah. this yeah Jesus. but if you if you haven't seen it go see it it's, it's a great film it's Goodfellas basically it's a gangster film yeah. but around Maradona the man was an enigma and yeah. unique to say the least and yeah watching it from the kind of I don't know celebritisation of football Mm. and comparing it to now it's just kind of fascinating Mm. to see just how different the world is generally Mm. based on what was going on back then it's an incredible film all archive footage as well I was thinking to myself afterwards we were talking I can't could you tell this sort of story of a wrestler I don't think you could I just can't see who you'd be able to tell this story about in terms of like big high-profile wrestlers. Hogan, yeah, but Flair, I don't think anyone would do it with Flair because everyone's too scared to say the truth about Flair. Yeah, yeah. it was like when they had that. It was it Showtime who did the doc, a documentary, uh, and they were, isn't it? Yeah, it's a they, were go, they were going through. Oh, how hilarious was it? Yeah, Rick used to just drop his pants in front of random women in the streets. Ah, oh, <laughs> Rick, and you're like, hmm. Actually, like, yeah, and if that's also not very woke, yeah, if they're the stories you're willing to tell, what are the stories you're not willing to tell? Oh, this, this is raw, this mm. is like yeah. up front, like it's basically like a look into the soul of Maradona and like <laughs> looks at like his innocence when he changed, what caused him to change, why he changed. It's fascinating, it's a fascinating insight that you would never be allowed to do with Ric Flair because you have to romanticize and eulogize the mm. image of Ric Flair mm. because that's kind of what we're told to mm. do, if anything, unfortunately. Yeah, so, crowbar Diego Maradona. The, the point it was all originally leaked, it was just thinking about this is generational. And so pairing Osprey yeah. and him is like comparing Maradona and Zidane. It's, you know, you're talking about different, a different tactical outlook on football at the time, different kind of physiology almost at points. Even things like different balls. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think that makes a difference as well. You look at the balls Maradona mm. was playing with the boots, so, playing heavier, Zidane much lighter era of footballs the, and development and stuff. The, I was going to say the issue with the steroids that he would have been taking is no one really knew what the long-term effects of these were going to be. They weren't. It wasn't something that people were looking into. It's kind of like almost like the phenomenon of cocaine in the eighties, of just 
sort of being kind of oblivious to what actually this could end up leading to. That's, uh, like, that's like concussions, though. People will say that. Ah, oh, we just didn't know that it was that bad to get smashed mm. in the head with a steel chair over and over again. It's always like, bad. Come on. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's clearly always Landstorm bad. knew, so, you know. Uh, oh, he did. Oh, did you did you see that Landstorm story posted this week? Uh, he was saying about uh, I can't remember what brought it up, but it was some kind of wrestler death. Landstorm always the king of the eulogy. Um, that that one he did about Balls Mahoney, where it was just like I didn't really know Balls very well. He really liked me though. R.I.P. He's he's the worst <laughs> as far as eulogies go. But he was saying when um, Lance Cade died that Vince apparently uh, called. Dave Meltzer and left a, a really panicked vo- voicemail saying, uh, can you please call me back? I need to talk to you about Lance Storm's death. And then a few <laughs> minutes later, Meltzer got another voicemail from Vince going, oh, it was Lance Cade, no matter. And that was the end of it. <laughs> and Lance Storm was like, what was so important about, about me dying that Vince really wanted to talk to Meltzer? But when he found out it was Lance Cade, he just didn't care anymore. Yeah, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? <laughs> Perhaps he secretly really liked Lance Storm. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Yeah, funny way of showing it, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Lance Storm's point was that he said something like, you know, he's always been, he's always said he's clean, he doesn't do drugs, and maybe Vince was panicking, like, if Lance Storm has, has died now, like, what what hope is there for any of these uh, these 90s and uh, early 2000s wrestlers? Hmm. I don't know how we got onto this. No. Anyway, <laughs> well, the, the, the plan segue from the Osprey stuff <laughs> was G1. Um, we, I mean, we could talk some more Landstorm, Landstorm memories. He was great in WCW when he won all the belts and he had the uh, yeah the, the shit title, the hardcore title. What was it? Saskatchewan hardcore international title. Good run. Enjoyed it. He, he also would have been cracking in a G1 in his prime Landstorm. He would have been well set up to just be a solid hand that's the segue i needed jp that there was, it was that was what i was reaching for <laughs> he'd be good he'd fit in this a block really well uh yeah what do you make of the g1 lineup start i'm not so fussed on the b block uh, that john moxley's found himself in but uh, it's still strong and that a block is just absolutely incredible osprey's in there as we we talked about him possibly being in there last week and he, he's going to be mixing up with the likes of kenta there's going to be a, another it's going to be in mixing up with tanahashi again ZSJ's in there with him. We're going to get another Okada match. We're going to get another Ibushi match. We're going to get matches with Lance Archer and, and Bad Luck Fale. And I'm, to be honest, quite looking forward to them as well. Uh, we mentioned earlier about, you know, Osprey's legacy. It, for me, it really is going to be this year. If he, based on that lineup, I can't see any other outcome than him absolutely, absolutely killing it. And mm. he's going to have lots of competition on that A block as well for uh, for great matches too. Well, what a lineup uh, this is uh, this year. And he'll outworkable. I'm absolutely sure. <laughs> He's the best wrestler in the world. There you go. Uh, anything else you're looking forward to in those, or anything that stands out for you in those, uh, those A and B blocks? Moxley's been kept away from uh, some of those names I just mentioned there in the B block. He's going to be mm. mixing it up with Yano and Goto and Jeff Cobb uh, and Taichi, who somehow w- uh, managed to get him. But he will have matches with Naito, Ishii, Juice Robinson again. Uh, interesting things there too. I wish there was a slight balance. I think the A block looks incredible. Mm. Like, there's no denying that. I just wish there was a bit more balance to both blocks. I wish yeah. that you maybe put one of the guys, maybe a carder in the B block to make it a little bit more unpredictable, possibly, mm. uh, because the A block is so heavy in terms of talent. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm not complaining. Like this is in, in mm. terms of a lineup. This is like a dream team. Mm. If you ask me to put. 
several wrestlers in a tournament to face off against one another, like Ibushi, Osprey, Okada, Tanahashi, and Zack would be uh, some of the first guys that I would choose to be in there. And getting someone like a Kenta in there, I'm quite excited about as well. Mm. I think they've chosen the lineup quite smartly in a way, because someone like, say, a Kenta, I don't think he's going to do too well in the tournament in terms of wins, but I think they've put him in with the work rate block to try and get his confidence back up mm. and to try and get him working with good people again. Having good matches getting over again as a result of having good matches because mm. it's so long since he's worked consistently with really good guys. He's like, you think of who he, think of who he was working in NXT, really. No one was really complimenting his style. He was working against some quite kind of, nah, guys. His whole say. style was completely toned down and Ex- taken away from him. Exactly. Mm. Like, I think this is going to be really good for him. I think Osprey is going to get to have great matches. It's interesting they put Osprey and Lance Archer on the first night. That was a great match of a New Japan Cup. I think mm. it's Lance Archer's reward for doing the local promotion for the Dallas show. Yep. So he gets to have another stunning match of Osprey probably in Dallas as well in a home territory. I think that's a good move. And I think saving Akada Tanahashi for that main event is a really smart move as well, considering they didn't do it at MSG. So we're getting it on American soil. I'm just hoping that the ticket sales go up as a result of this. Not confident they mm. will, but it looks like a belting first night, doesn't it? Mm. Well, looking at the moment, ticket sales-wise, I think I was looking at... There were some threads on the um, New Japan forum on Reddit, and it was something along the lines of about 5,000 is what they had. Okay. I think they've kind of provisionally set it up for like seven and a half because it's 17,000 that yeah but the whole top tier is going to be is going to be tapered off yeah um which is fine Mm. which is that would be you know i I, I, as long as it looks good on tv it could be an amazing event with that particular car if you can do seven in mm. that it's an achievement i think you would have been able to though if like the problem with new japan is they're very consistent and they've got their rules and when and where they announce stuff but, like, if you'd announced the card to Tanahashi a few weeks ago, I mean, how many weeks are we off that show? Is it, like, three weeks? Three. Uh, you're, you're asking for a big walk-up, aren't you? Um, I, I think maybe they were expecting maybe more blind buyers than, than they've got. Um, it, it does feel a bit late to, uh, I don't know, to, to have a big push. I think they need a Jericho, possibly, mm. on the show to get it a big push as well, late in the local mm. market. I did mm. wonder whether they would add him to the show and it's interesting that because i thought originally they were going to do a full a and b block show on that night yeah you'd think they'd have moxley on wouldn't you well i'm wondering he'll be on the undercut is he gonna have yeah could they do moxley jericho but would aew allow that with suzuki and not being in the tournament and the whole angle they're running with suzuki complaining about not being in the tournament what a match end of the tournament Mm. could they do moxley suzuki as a special singles match on that show with that that stipulation possibly just to get him on the show because i think it is worth mm. using moxley in a kind of a, a more in a better role than just being a multi-man tag let's say for that show mm. yeah that as makes much sense. Fun as him and teaming with shota umino will be yeah <laughs> yeah we can only hope yeah it's a weird one that isn't it minoru suzuki is like the is there any names that like stand out as not been in there like it's basically him isn't it i'm not i'm not crying about yoshihashi not being in there i'm not crying about absolutely uh, not the god being in there the uh, the greg's lunch break special uh, yep. i'm made up that uh, that, that we're, we're gonna go with summer without tamatanga we didn't escape bad luck farlow 
uh, but at least he's uh, going to escape. McAvey in, in there, I'm not complaining. I was going to no. say, yeah, that, like I'd rather have a, I'd rather a Nagata or a Kojima than a Farley. Mm. That's what I'll say I, on yeah. that one. The that's... problem is they've got to do a summer of matches, isn't it? I think that's. I don't think anyone would want to say it because it's Minoru Suzuki and he's supposed to be a badass. But you know, like, is he fifty? Yeah. Something like that now. Uh, I'd, it's probably not a good idea. It's probably best for him to not be in this thing. Well, they but. but... At the same time, you can work, and they are working it into a potentially really interesting angle mm. of New Japan effectively thinking that he's kind of past that, that he's past it. The fact that Taichi's in there as well suggests <laughs> that they wouldn't surprise me if you get some sort of switch with Suzuki Goon or something along those lines. You know, that wouldn't be That's you know wishful thinking. Yeah, well, they they. I'll be honest with you, when they did those announcements on that on the the show earlier today and I saw the video of it there was a lot of tai chi in the sort of semi main he got really big cheer mm. i'm like right okay this is and i'm i've got a feeling he's going to end up having a run in in it in that b block which I, i'm probably the high man out of the three of us on tai chi matches mm-hmm. and there's points where they I think they're, on anyone worldwide who's not named tai chi i think you're the high yeah. man at best, they're like, that was better than I thought it'd be. <laughs> I thought it might be shit, and it, it's not good. Yeah. That's not exactly something to be really buzzing over. That's <laughs> not like, you know, top-notch emotions there. But what I would say, and it's, it's following on the point of the people who aren't there, I'm bored by Yoshihashi, bored by um, G.O.D., bored by Maccabe, and at least the B block, if nothing else, there's curiosity value. Because mm. I remember when we were doing the podcasts last year during this, oh, yeah. geez, that B block got hard fucking work. Well, that was the, the J White block, wasn't it? Yeah. Wasn't that the A block? I'm sure it was the A block. That so the was the a, it was the A block. It was yeah. the J White block. That it was, was the A block. It was hard block. to watch yes. at times. Yeah. yeah. It was tough. Yeah. I think it'd be easier this year. I mean, in some ways, it's also longer than last year. Um, I mean, mm. what do you make of like the? I mean, they've announced the matches as well. Is there anything that stands out to you in the final days? Like, well, obviously, JP, me, and you are going to be doing the pickums again. I don't know if you're going to join us this year, Joe. Uh, but something that kind of helps with trying to work out what you think is going to be uh, the final is what they've announced for the last couple of the A block and the B block final night. Like the, we got Okada versus Abushi and Tanahashi versus Osprey on one side. They feel like the important matches. Maybe yep. Kenta Zaxi. Sabre Jr. could be for something. Uh, and then on the other side, you've got Naito, Jay White. Sorry, Joe. Um, really? Other than that, maybe Moxley Robinson, Ishi Taichi. It's a bit harder to call on the uh, the other side of the coin. I don't know if that gives you any indication of uh, what direction you think they're going this year. Naito's got to be a shoo-in for that B block. If they want that stunning G1 final they've had every year for however many years now, Jay White's not giving you that. Moxley, let's all calm down a bit. Yeah, He's not true. Give you that either. Yeah. Naito is going to give you that G1 final. Mm. So for me, it's Naito against someone from the A block. And I don't want to see Naito Ibushi again. Mm. I almost think Naito Okada is going to be one of the Tokyo Dome main events. Mm. So I think it might be Osprey. Do you think really? I don't know. I, I, if they want to really get Osprey over and they made this push of Osprey mm-hmm. and you think best of the Super Juniors got to the final, he could get to two finals in a year. It's a way of him having a stunning match, getting to a G1 final as a junior heavyweight champion, upsetting the odds as well, mm. getting him over that little bit more. And I think they're really on the on really giving Osprey this super push. And look at what they've done in the last year or so, last year and a half or so, with the likes of Jay White as well. Now they've gone into overdrive with the super push of Jay White. And think about, say, Akada in 2012 when they pushed him and 
He won the G1 that year as well. I don't think Osprey's going to win it, but I think it's an opportunity to get him over that little bit more and build to him maybe winning it in a year, two years' time, potentially, if they really mm. do want to go all the way of him. And mm. think about how good Osprey Osprey's going to be. That's a first-time match we've never seen before. They'll knock yeah. it out of the park. Osprey in a G1 final at Budokan Hall. Fuck me. It's the stuff dreams are made of. <laughs> Yeah, I'd love yeah. to. I'd love to see it. I just wonder the fact that he's still the junior champion, and he'll be the junior in the block. I do think he'll lose a few matches, Osprey. I think. I. Th- I think. I mean, I'd love that prediction to come true, but I just think looking at the way Gedo books, if he's still booking New Japan, that's a, that's been another story this week. Um, for me, I think he has a str- he has a strong showing, but not that strong a showing, and he comes back next year. I, I, I think that's a bit strong. I think I, I think Gado's a bit more conservative than that. I don't think we go all the way with him yet. I see what you're saying, but if you look at that final night, I think that you get drama out of Akada Ibushi as the main, which is a that, like that's a match we've not seen that yeah. often. Half but, an hour draw is what that's set up for with Osprey going through. Yeah, and then Osprey Tanahashi is kind of like the spoiler match. And man, there's a chance Tanahashi gets. Right. I think Tanahashi, that's my pick. Mm-hmm. But I just think you can make Osprey. I get what you're saying about the conservative stuff, but mm-hmm. it seems like they're on the mega push of him right now. He's the hottest he's ever been. Oh, I'd, I'd love to see it. Mm-hmm. I'd absolutely love to see it. JP, before I do my pickums, any prediction from you, just so I can go the opposite? Well, funny enough, I mean, <laughs> thinking, yeah. Well, last year, if you remember, I was, I was, it was ridiculous. I was on holiday in Turkey, and I was I top remember. of. Yeah, it was insane. And end up leading it. I was like, oh, get in. This ghetto stuff's a piece of piss. No. Fell off a fucking cliff between the, the Tongans and also getting the main event completely wrong because I was convinced that Naito was going back to take on a card for the title again. Mm. Um, however, this year, and the way I end up thinking of it is what are they going to try and headline the Dome shows with? And for me, the two biggest matches that they can actually do in terms of getting two really big crowds... One night you have Akada versus Naito. They've teased it enough. Naito's been going on about it. Basically, Intercontinental Champion versus World Champion. And then you have um, Kenny Omega versus Kota Ibushi on night two. Mm. And that, for me, is what you'd headline it with. So, for me, because I'm thinking that's what it's going to end up being, and obviously I'm wrong, but you kind of, for me, that's where you think, okay, how does all of this fit into that place? And it just, and I can see the the point about Tanahashi. I've just got the feeling that with Osprey and the fact he's made the commitment to move over, that they almost feel like they can push him. But also, there's much more of a groundswell of support than what Jay White ever had mm. before his push. Like starting this push feels like it's well deserved. This is not something that's just been given to him on a plate. And I think they're going to go completely along with it. And I think that crowd are. are enraptured by him at this point like the what he has managed to do throughout that g1 is the kind of stuff we'll be talking about in a couple of years mm. and so yeah it wouldn't i i think they're going to do osprey osprey um naito it's just uh, who in the it's in terms of the pickums there's so many gimme matches mm. along the way that it's really difficult to I, predict i do have one little feeling as well that Sonada is an outside bet for the A block. Mm, they love Sonada. They love Sonada. Yeah. Um, uh, Sonada Naito as a final is something that mm, 
outside bet I could mm. see him possibly doing. Mm. Um, I wouldn't do it personally. I've got no interest in Salada. I just forget about him, mm. to be honest. If he's not a wrestler, mm. I ever think of. And well, I think that's partly because whenever I've seen him live, he's put no effort in. Um, so, but I could see it. It is something I could realistically see. Mm. Try and get him over that little bit more. He's done the New Japan mm. Cup final this year as well. You could tell a story about two cup finals in a year coming up short or something if you want to as well. Mm. Yeah. And they also teased, um, before they announced who was in the G1, they teased on the Kazuna Road show on the Sunday dissension in LIJ because Evil didn't go into yep. the fist bump and he jumped out. Which, you know, where does he go from there? What are they going to do with this? Obviously, there's Hiromu as well to throw into the mix. So I wonder the reason why perhaps he wouldn't be up there. Is they going to do a whole... There's going to be a sort of LIG, LIJ issue underneath. But... You could always do something really interesting as well with Naito and Shingo because they're in the same yes, block. Yeah. I could foresee something like maybe they have Shingo going over Naito and it costs Naito getting to the final mm-hmm. or something as well. Mm-hmm. There's lots of variables that could take place over that over that tournament as well. Um, but I... We are always faced with the Jay White nightmare scenario then, aren't we? Oh. I'm hoping it's going to be a better Jay White based summer than last year because last yeah. year was a yeah that's all quite <laughs> much of him last summer and way too much rubbish he's got, a, he's got a beard now Joe it's going to be a different Jay White it will be this this time in a few weeks he'll be going great beard great night <laughs> great, nah, great knife nah, great tights nah, nah. come on now come on now let's not get too carried away uh, I was going to mention as well. I'm going to a uh, Rev Pro. You're not coming up for Rev Pro's Manchester show, are you? Coming up the ungovernable show. Uh, yeah. No, Mum's 60th birthday. Mate. Oh, gutted. Yeah, that's. I was. I was looking at that. If I get any uh, tips on a uh, on our strongly Sonata's being pushed, he's got a match with Zack Saber Junior. There, maybe that'll tell us something. It's not. To be honest, I was thinking as they were first announcing stuff for this, it was an interesting looking card. But then now it looks like they've actually announced the whole card. It's, it's not that strong. Um, I think Rev Pro are really going to struggle. Complete aside from huge Japan, but I do think Rev Pro are going to are going to struggle up in Manchester trying to come back. I mean, you were you were all here the last time um, they came up during during MediaCon. Um, you could probably obviously there's the MediaCon problem, but I don't know if there's a big clamour for for Rev Pro up in Manchester. And yeah, the cards all right. So now there's Xavier Junior, as I mentioned. Does anyone really want to see MK McKinnon versus Tetsuya Naito? Well, I know one person what who does. What the hell is that all about? Michael Oku <sighs> against Shingo is your finger on the pulse. I like that. That's a really good match to book. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was kind of expecting... I don't know. I thought that when I heard about Oku Shingo, uh, Shingo, I was up for it. I was like, okay, let's see what else they announce. I don't think they're going to announce much else big. Um, yeah, I wonder if they're going to struggle up in Manchester now. Who was he open up against? They're Four a way tag match. Oh, yeah. yes, they are. Yeah. Bo- was it Bodum and Shah? Yeah, White uh, Wolf. White Wolf. L- 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 yeah. It's evil. Evil and Bushi. No, is exact. Oh, it's, it's evil and Bushi. Yeah. Look, I'm for seeing that Aussies and Shah and Bodum for you, I'm a big fan of. So I, I, I'm up for that. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, what a weird sounding match that is. Evil mm. and Shah Samuels. Yeah. We- it's just a weird show altogether. It's like. Giselle Shaw and Silesia, is it Silesia Sparks? I don't even know how to pronounce her name. She was the last cockpit Shaw. I don't even know who Giselle Shaw is, to be honest. Any good? She was in Femme Fatale at Tag League. Oh, I think she was. From the Did Filipinos, she... apparently. I think she's, I want to say she's Portuguese. Oh. I might be wrong on this. Links back, lads, trained by Landstorm, so you know she's good. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> well, she's the that. workhorse then. There Get you her. go. 
Yeah. Weird one, but yeah, no, doesn't look like there's any David Starr. I think he's booked elsewhere that weekend. I am sure I read that somewhere. I know there's problems with, I think Progress has got that, Progress's Manchester show is literally the week after this, so we're getting the uh, the Manchester Wars from the, the London promotions, and uh, I think David Starr's over, is it WXW, OTT, something like that? He's booked somewhere else anyway. Uh, maybe it's actually... Uh, a Red Pro cockpit show, but either way, he's not going to be there for progress either. So that's a bit weird that he's. Uh, I was quite looking forward to seeing him on at least one of those two shows. Yeah, and I think you can always put him against someone different because he's, you know, not a New Japan wrestler as well. So mm. there's always a chance to see him in an interesting match. So it is a bit of a shame that yeah. he's not there to be honest. It just doesn't you. look very Rev Pro without him. I think that's what it is when you know I try yeah. and I think about what I think a Rev Pro card is these days, and it's it is hard to put your finger on anything. Him and El Fantasma were the two big misses for me so far as far as announcements to this card. Uh, yeah, that is a bit odd. I think if, if you had a Fantasma and an Osprey on there coming mm. off Super Juniors going into G1 as well, I think it gives the card a little bit more appeal, to mm. be honest. Um, and I think not having an Osprey there as well is a big loss. So it looks like a less... You've got Naito there, obviously, but it looks like a less star-studded lineup than last year with it not being a full New Japan show and all the mm. rest of it as well. And... You know, we don't get into that argument from last year, but <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look like it's got anywhere near the same stature as last year. I don't know what, what ticket sales are like for it, but do you, do you hear much buzz up north about this one? Nothing really. You don't really hear much about Rev Pro. Um, if I go there and it's and it's packed, then then you know I'll be proven wrong. But this feels like a few hundred tickets at best, and they got they were late out the gate announcing matches. It was only you know a week, ten days ago when they started doing it. Um, yeah, that's just kind of. So no, that that that's the problem with 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 Rev Pro really that it's uh, sometimes the organisation of stuff like that and the promotion of shows because it is you know a, a small operation uh, those types of things slip through the cracks. Uh, but when you're a company of Rev Pro size, I don't know if it's excusable either. Well, at the same time, New Japan booking philosophy. Mm, yeah, there is that. <laughs> there you go. Learning from learning from New Japan. Uh, I don't know what we're on. Uh, Rev Pro, I was going to mention as well. I, I did, I did watch the uh, the Pat Michael Oku match. Uh, talked about it a little bit on on BWE this week. I know uh, JP uh, has seen her as well since. Yeah. T- t- yeah. I tell you, tell you what, Joe. Like I was, I was excited to watch it after hearing your review, and I really enjoyed it. But fuck me, that Rev Pro VOD is a tough watch. Like it kind of, I think it, it illuminated for me. So I was talking about this with uh, with the couple of people talking about it with Ben Owen specifically. It illuminated for me being far away from Rev Pro's normal home venues. Great, I'm going to see them in Manchester. But, you know, I hear all these great things about shows and then I go online to watch them on the VOD. It just is not a good experience. Like, there were fingerprints all over the lens uh, on the VOD of this match. The commentary levels are all over the place. The picture looks kind yeah. of shoddy. I still enjoyed it. It was still, a, I think I went four stars on Grapple for it. Uh, very good match, but something really did get lost from not being in that building for the cockpit. I think there's just, there's something about those shows because I hear you rave on, John. I know it's your favorite experience going live, but I, I really do struggle on the VOD. As great as the work was, and we should put that over in a minute, JP, because I'm sure <laughs> you, you loved it as well. But yeah, they do. Those little things, I think, are what really cost rev pro because they are you know they're the second biggest or biggest promotion in this country depending on how you want to look at it probably second biggest is probably fair to say it should be better at this point it's just i don't think any of it's out objectively awful but i think as a as a combination i just don't enjoy watching rev pro on vod 
It's outdated, I mm. think, as well. Yeah. yeah. Thrown together, looks... slapdash. It's like it's it's like a throwback to mid two thousands British Indies, yeah. isn't it? It looks like it's existed about two thousand five, six. Mm. And I really don't like watching the shows back when I do because I find mm. that they, they actually really lose something. Mm. Um and the stuff never seems to hold up. Whereas when I've watched, say, Progress stuff back, I have issues of Progress's production as well. And I don't understand the need for this unique edit that doesn't give <laughs> it enough for it to stand out. Mm-hmm. But it's still better. Shows I watch back or Progress yeah. matches I watch back that I've been at live hold up when mm. I watch them back. Mm. Whereas Rev Pro, it just doesn't translate in the same way. And it's a real shame. Mm. And I don't think it's a problem that's really been addressed, to be honest. No. No. There was the the period of time when it was free sports, and even then it was shot pretty much just like traditional pro wrestling to a degree. With a with that a had crank. its own problems though, didn't it? Like the... and it did, yeah, and 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 it yeah, it did, it did have its it did have its own issues on there as well. But it seems to me like we forget the fact that it's it's 2019 mm. and the amount of things that you can do on shoestring budgets. Mm. I mean, I'm trying to think of the name of the director who uh, who was it who made a film entirely on their iPhone. And then I think they made Sean Baker. Sean Baker. Tangerine yeah. is. I, I love Sean Baker. We're going on an aside now. I was watching his oh, film uh-huh. Starlet, and he did a film called Takeout about just following a takeaway delivery driver, Prince of Broadway, another great film. Uh, yeah, I love that he's made it big now. And Tangerine, yeah, that kind of that film, as well as being a great example of what you can do just shooting a film on on an, on an iPhone. Hmm. He did have some help with the sound. There is that as well. Uh, also a great film as well. But yeah, good point. Yeah, you can do a lot with a limited budget is the point, JP. There is. And there's a base level you can get to. Now, I mean, one of the things that, that we've all spoken about, Riptide, for example, and they do invest the money in into the, into the cameras and the way they do it. So it, effectively, it feels like the cameras are floating. So you don't have jarring cuts. And you've got, let's be honest, you've got videographers there. You've got people who are trained and experienced in order to do it. That requires money, and yeah. that requires an investment. And that's fundamentally that there has to be the investment in the types of cameras, how you want it shot. It means seeding part of what might be Andy Quilden's personal vision for how it should be shot. Say, actually, I think you need, we're going to do this instead. And that's not necessarily going to be an easy thing to do, but I think they need to do it. I think it's at the point where it needs to evolve because, like like I say, I loved that Oku match. I, re- I really enjoyed the match. But at the same time, I was thinking, I can. my thought was, I can imagine how good this was live. Oh, oh it was. And I, I think as a venue, cockpit shows are always better live. Yes, but it's a are. venue, but you've got to kind of be at live to experience everything, I think. And it will always lose something on VOD. I get why people wouldn't watch a cockpit show back. Absolutely. Because you are losing something. And it's not always that essential to the stories you follow in. Like, you can just kind of watch and skip over important bits, possibly, <coughs> if you want to follow storylines. But it's interesting the point you made about Riptide. Because I wouldn't want that from Rev Pro at all. No, no, no. That's, not, that's Riptide's USP. Yes. Mm. But I want more than what they provide. Like it's an investment in it, yeah. isn't it? And yeah. they, you can tell they do it kind of on the cheap. So they've got a couple of the trainees who have been filming it, and they, they film every show. And you just sort of think, ah, oh, yeah, invest in some camera ops potentially. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit more of an expense. I get that. I know that you've got to balance the books and everything. I don't know what the, you know, the profit margin mm. is or the rest of it for each show, but. 
it is something that I think would increase VOD sales. I think if they were to get some buzz regarding improved production values as well, that would be of benefit. And, you know, you've got Naito covered over this month. You've got Shingo covered over this month. You've got these absolute, like, world-class pros covered over. Mm. They need to be shot properly, if you ask me. Yeah. Not by a couple of trainees. Yeah, and that's what it looks like, and that's what it is, isn't it? Um... And I feel for them, because the, the only way that they're doing it is doing it on the job, but I'm not convinced that they've had, you know, necessarily tra- training doing camera. Yeah, 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 you don't know, do you? But it doesn't yeah. come across that way. Mm. Tell you what, though, JP, the match was good, wasn't it? <laughs> it, lost, it lost a bit of shine. But I still enjoyed it as a match. Like I, oh, absolutely. Oku was just the perfect baby face. Pac was great, you know, trying to win by count out and just generally uh, being a bit of a shit and ragdolling Oku around. Uh, I really, I honestly, I think you said it, Joe, on our last show, and I talked a little bit about it on BWE as well. This is the use of Pac that you want, but it was it felt star making for Oku, and it's great that they've they've taken this and they've straight away put him in another hot match with Shingo because uh, he came across he came across so well the people you know again the sound wasn't great but you could tell uh, you know the people were right there with Oki it was right loud there, like, in that building oh, when, when the five I hate the five minute announcements but well I did hate them but in this match that worked perfectly because they got louder as it came Pat got more yeah. frustrated as it happened uh, I just thought yeah first time it's really worked isn't it yeah, yeah. I, long term it's paid off for them introducing mm. it I think they just introduced it in a way that it became because it's really transparent if they introduced yeah. it three four months earlier it wouldn't come across that way mm. but finally it doesn't seem to be getting the stupid response from the crowd that it was getting previously mm. and they changed it to 10 minutes rather than five I think it was 10 20 25 uh, and every minute they announced afterwards and it, it worked within the sort of psychological story they were trying to tell in the mm. match it was it was great it was an awesome match and all of that stuff comes across mm. like in terms of watching the match and it was one of the things he said and when you explain the structure of the match as well and it's classic pro wrestling mm. and it completely works utilize the time limit pack was I, I dare i say it, as as motivated as i've seen him it's the, in best, in these it's the best match I've seen him have. Because I was thinking of the match he had at Fight Club Pro that we watched, and it just felt completely anonymous. The Carl end. Fletcher one. Carl Fletcher one, I can't remember. <sighs> it was just sort of, it was a match, it was there. Whereas here, it delivered on all of the things that it needed to do. And because you had the kind of, the, the factors of, of Oku's such, you know, he's a charismatic underdog, isn't he? You, mm-hmm. you want to see him do well, he bumps like a fucking champ. And as a result of that, he's able to kind of, you know, you've got that empathy there. And the time limit worked. And I thought it was an easier 28-minute watch. You know, you say you, you're going to watch a 28-minute match that so you know what's going to happen. And I'm not bored. It's just like going back watching it thinking, this is just a really good, really good match. It's the best match I've seen live in the UK this year. That's what I'll say for it. I've seen better matches live this year, but in the UK alone. Phoenix Osprey. Um, no, I thought this was better. I think Phoenix Osprey was a great um, exhibition. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think it was a stunning match. Whereas in terms of storytelling and achieving something by the end of it, yeah. but Phoenix Osprey was kind of like them going out there to have a stunning exhibition match, mm. showing off what they can do, their flexibility, their stamina, their gymnastics, mm. or the rest of it. It wasn't a story-based match necessarily. This was a 
proper story from back to front and also fight club pro the drinkers promotion people aren't really invested here people were massively invested and they were invested in oku yeah. and it's a good group that sort of go back every month to these shows as well that have their favorites that they see at the cockpit every month and they manage to establish oku as probably the the new mm. favorite put it that way definitely yeah and i think that's again i, I had a on our last show i had a bit of a problem with like the the segments afterwards and the, you know, David Starr, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, I can beat pack stuff. Still didn't love that on VOD. That rubbed me a little bit negative on uh, RevPro's booking going forward. But again, I can't argue with the use of an Oku. Oku's in the Natural Progression series in progress, which just shows you the, the difference in um, in approach there and getting them over. Although maybe we wouldn't have complained about that a month ago. Um, but still interesting. Yeah, I mean, from what I've seen of the natural progression lineup, it's a generally quite yeah, it's some a good lineup. It's, it's the a... dad and lad tournament, isn't it? I quite, I quite like it though. I don't, I don't think that's a bad yeah. thing. Like they've got, you know, they got basically uh, the idea. Trent Seven's brought Dan Maloney along, hasn't he? Um, Vite Vite Muller's been brought along by Walter. Like the everyone in it's been chosen essentially. Michael Oku is David Starr's choice. I do like that as a general idea, and um, just uh, you know, obviously seeing the difference there in the use of Oku. <laughs> Are they going to go full-blown Ms. Daniel Bryan with any of these dad and lads teams? It could work. <laughs> oh. Proper like original NXT series. Uh, I was never a Do fan of Michael that. Cole to get involved? Perhaps Glenn Joseph could be in the Michael Cole role. Stop during picking that. on Mike Loco. Uh, yeah, yeah, possibly. Oh, God. Go on, Glenn. <laughs> Do it. Because he's done well in Rev Pro. This thing shit writes itself, doesn't it? Yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah. Recreate Michael Cole circa 2010, was that? 11? 2010, I think 2010. It was. Yeah. I was a big fan of that rivalry. I thought Brian Miz was a fantastic feud. And I thought Michael Cole Brian was my feud of the year that year. <laughs> Honestly, the promos were awesome. He was just Michael Cole. I think the problem was it's your lead commentator, isn't it? Yeah, I I, I don't know. I found it quite funny at the time. I think it was because I was watching Daniel Bryan get a platform and it was like, all right, he's being treated like shit, but this has got to end well. And I had a bit more faith at that point in time. Mm. They tried their best to fuck him. They did eventually, yeah. Mm. But, yeah. (laughs) While we're talking progress, should we mention the uh, NXT UK takeover is apparently selling well? Like... We might have to eat some oh, crow here, lads. Apparently, apparently there's 5,000 seats on sale and apparently it's close to selling out. I'm not sure how much I believe it, but maybe I'm just being a stick in the mud. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Uh-oh. maybe there's the appetite for uh, for NXT UK takeover after all and all the Royal, Royal Quest stuff doesn't actually matter that much. Possibly. I mean, it's a bit annoying if there's not tickets. Hey, being really annoying, in fact. What are, what are people up to? I'll be interested to know what the lineup is. And obviously, there's not too much that's come out of the download. <laughs> Did you see the spoilers? Bushby's there. He only went to like half of the show, didn't he? But I've yeah, seen he like, I've seen have a point and a sit down, didn't he? As much. So, somebody tried to piece together spoilers, and it's things like Matt Riddle had a match, I think, against Adam Cole. I think, uh, just based on the photos that I'm looking at, like that's the extent of the reports we've had. From that's how much people care about NXT UK. Unfortunately, even Martin. A Brit Res podcaster has uh, wandered <laughs> off to go watch Tool, or was it somebody like that? I saw you all chatting in the group chat today. He was happy about Men with a Mission, who did the theme song for last year's G1. Remember oh. that? Shelter, that's, Men on uh, a Mission? It's called Man Mabel with a Mission. Mabel and Mo. Mabel. <laughs> no, not Mabel and Mo. What was the rapper called? Oh. Megaran. No, we've been Mabel and Mo. 
Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's Mo. Isn't Oscar it? wasn't it? Oscar. Hangover from a uh, Madison Square Garden. That's the problem. From Mega Run. Yeah, yeah. That's always going to taint things, isn't it? Worst live out of a scene. <laughs> I always preferred Mo to Mabel as a kid. I thought Mo was the best. I, I was quite wrong. Um, I think Mabel went on to the uh, the more successful career. I think when he won, he was it King of the Ring '95. Mabel yeah. won. Yeah. Dark times. I, yeah, can remember watch seeing that and just going, this is awful. Mm. I remember that was that ninety five was the last time I saw wrestling for a few years. Was it? I remember in like ninety nine, two thousand, looking through like results from old like rest from old shows mm. when I was like getting back in mm. and was like, what viscera one King of the Ring. <laughs> <laughs> like, and seeing like Shawn Michaels and Undertaker of the sort of me, like what the fuck happened here? Yeah. And then seeing that he had a title match with Kevin Nash. At yeah, Sun- and yeah. Yeah. Five was it? And just being completely confused by only this happened. Yeah, the other yeah. rematch on the Raw Ball show as well. Uh, I think my biggest memory of Mabel in that era was when him in the Yokozuna squashed the Undertaker's face, uh, and he came back with the with the scary mask on. Great oh, times. God. Simple storyteller. It works. Yeah, they needed the kick up the arse from WCW at that point in time, didn't they? Like they need to kick up the arse right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, if it's a Grammy, if there's a Grammy there to be won, you know these scripted these script uh, Emmy. Writers, like, sorry, Emmy Grammy. They can't be up for an Emmy. Are they up for an Emmy? How the, yeah. Oh. How the fuck are they up for? There's best scripted reality <laughs> TV show. Fuck yeah. Off. Nah. Seriously. Yeah. Jesus. That's happening. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's. It's really entertaining if you're on fucking Skag. But, like, apart from that... Mate, I don't think it's going to be entertaining for Skagheads. No. Think I was entertaining for Skagheads. I don't know. Lou Reed albums, Velvet Underground, Raw. What would you rather be doing if you were on Skag? (laughs) I'd take some Velvet Underground over Raw any day if I was on Skag. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. I watched 205 Live this week. That was all right. (laughs) Jack Gallagher against uh, Chad Gable with his... uh... No non-singlet anymore. Apparently, he was in the ro- he was in the battle royal on that um, on the Saudi Arabia show. Just nobody noticed. Uh, it was a good match until they did the they did, you know that shoot thing they do where the referees work the matches as shoot. Yeah. Gallagher got onto the apron to get into the ring on the ten count, and the ref just counted ten, and it ended. Very good until then. Though. Good episodes. Good ref. Ah, couldn't tell. They don't give names anymore, do they? Mike Kyoda might have been. I once saw him making out with some woman in Phoenix. He was wearing snakeskin <laughs> boots at the time. Yes. <laughs> His mind was on other things with Mike's. Some fan, was it? Or, you know? Uh, I, I, you might describe us from beginning with R. <laughs> Ending with T. I'll let you guess what the letter in the middle is. Oh, let's, not do, let's not go there. <laughs> have you, JP, have you, in your experience of uh, meeting lots of wrestlers, have you ever seen any wrestlers making out? I haven't, um, but admittedly, I don't go out looking for that necessarily. I'm yeah. just thinking, let's let's see if we can catch a couple, see if there's a wrestler snogging something. I wasn't out there. looking for it. Mate, you were probably stalking Mike Yo oh, all God. throughout Phoenix. Like the way you stalked Matt Riddle all around London. Or he stalked you, to be fair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm all right with that. <laughs> Stalk away, Matthew. Get yourself sacked from that fucking place, and then we can talk turkey, lad. Come on. There you go. Uh, <laughs> notes on, I don't even know what we're talking about. Or, uh, do the oh, NXT. Oh, Jack Gallagher. Oh, yeah, there you go. Watch it. It's a good match. Jack Gallagher looks dead behind the eyes at this point, but very good match. Enjoy it. 
Um, one thing I was going to say, actually, uh, the, there's been lots of kickoff on on Twitter this evening. Kind of links in Pete Dunn going after Nathan Cruz. Uh, mm. Neither being a huge favorite of this podcast. Uh, there's there's been like David Starr's like doing that independent brand, isn't he, with his t-shirt? And I know you know James Musselwhite's a, a somebody who uh, who's a friend of this show who kind of put all that together and. It's a great little idea. It's great. I love the t-shirts. A great. You bought one, didn't you, Joe? You've got one. JP's yeah, got yeah one I bought well. one as well. It was, they got a bit of grief for Marty in a session mark wearing one. Literally, I think they did the tweet, didn't they? And it was like almost exactly the same day uh, that the news started to spread about it, uh, allegedly signing with WWE. Um, and then, yeah, today Nathan Cruz posted a picture of himself in the independent t-shirt, and uh, Pete Dunne had, had quite the go at him. Uh, what did he what did he say about him? He said he was somebody who was actively trying to hit Brit Rez, uh something like that, saying that he's independent now. What was the ex- exact quote, Jake? Um I uh, uh I don't love people who have been hazardous to the growth of independent wrestling over the years, jumping on a bandwagon because a contract never came their way. Usager on Nathan Cruz or Pete Dunn? I mean Pete Dunn, what I found this this hard to take because Mark Andrews is the other one. Both of them have come out now and had a, had a little bit of a slight go at this independent t-shirt business. It's like, I'm going, guys, you run Defend Indie Wrestling uh, and you've both got WDB contracts. Maybe, yeah. maybe just wind it in a little bit. Um, I don't know if there's been some kind of, I don't know, directive to, to go after this, but maybe, maybe they're just, a, they listen to podcasts like ours and they've heard people giving them grief so long that the Pete Dunn's decided it's time to throw some pelters back. What? Why is he... Exactly. You know, why is he upset about this? Why mm. does he feel the need to comment on it? Mm. Is there any real need to? Did he need to say anything at all? Regardless of whatever someone might think of Nathan Cruz, it seems like the strangest thing in the world to kind of jump into this and for no real reason. It's not like this presents like necessarily any threat. From what I've seen and read of it, what are the general causes is something that's really admirable mm. in terms of wanting, you know, for this to be the case. And they said afterwards, you know, the the other people who've, who've been wearing the shirts and the rest of it had been saying, yeah, good luck to Martina for wanting to sign, because that's a personal decision that, that, that she kind of makes. If you ask me who I'm siding with, it's not WWE affiliation, I can tell you that for fucking sure. Mm. So, like, you're not going to find me, yeah, thinking, I don't think Nathan Cruz, is, I think WWE is a much bigger threat existentially to British independent wrestling than Nathan Cruz. <laughs> and I think you need a bit of fucking cop on if you think that's that, it's the, it's the case the other way round. Yeah. I'd love to know what's going on. There must be some kind of beef behind the scenes. Nathan Cruz has done something or him and his gang of mates, you know, the NGW lot, the Alex Shane lot. Uh, maybe there's outstanding beef there from uh, from Pete Dunne's old proper indie days. Yeah. It just seems like it's it's a... It, it just I don't know what you make of it, but it just seems like complete nonsense. It does. I mean, I, I would say as well, though, like I, I like the independent kind of movement they're trying to do, but I mm. do... Th- I- David Starr's been like trying to talk around it and been like, you know, independent does mean, you know, you, you, you've got a right to sign any contract you want. And it's like, yeah, but that's not the way you're making the T-shirts, is it? It is embarrassing that, that Cesar Martina, of all people, has allegedly signed with WWE when she's part of uh, part of uh, your branding. Uh, but yeah, I don't think it's a major story, really. I, just ah, I don't think it matters that much. Like, no. she bought a T-shirt, she got offered a contract, big deal, let's yeah. move. It's not really much of a story. Twitter. <laughs> 
Do you, do you want to talk more about Triple H begging West Ham and Man City for uh, for endorsements, or or are we done with the WWE NXT chat? Why is what what like what what's when why where? He's, he's trying to flog he's trying to flog a belt. You know they do that thing where they endorse like winning sports teams with WWE belts. Some kind of tournament's going on this summer. I don't even know what the tournament is. I think the winner is it gets the a WWE international Cup of Champions or some other something, something like that. Bollocks is it in Abu Dhabi or somewhere? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's something like that. So those tournaments that are pre-season where that don't matter one bit and that no one watches, no one pays attention to. Triple H hasn't got his finger on the pulse when it comes to soccer in regard to that one has he there you go West Ham fan Triple H allegedly um, but he's is about it, as much as a West Ham fan as David Cameron oh, oh no he's an Aston Villa fan isn't he <laughs> he's not West sure Ham. is he he's gone both ways Maybe one year, maybe he's been watching Green Street, so his entrance for his 28-minute main event will be him coming out with a group of people and Elijah Wood, inexplicably, wow, out on stage, leading him towards oh. the ring. Is this where after AEW run Wembley, what were the Khan's connections of Wembley? So uh, the WWE have to run Olympic Park instead. Yeah, possibly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, would be, I would be up for uh, what's his name Elijah Wood and the other fella from Sons of Anarchy Charlie Hunnam Charlie Hunnam uh, reprising their roles of the uh, guys in Green Street Pete what is it Petey Dunham and some American bloke awful film uh, awful I think you've I'm, seen more of that genre than I have that was it's the standard bearer was that it? in the one star films was it a two star I think it's possible don't think you mentioned it in a one did I? Okay, yeah, it's down there. It's down there, but it's a riot at the same time. Uh, I mean, on the subject of hooligans, I don't know. Should we? Should we segue into WAW? I know you you guys watch a bit of Brexit wrestling this week, or do you want to talk AEW? <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll I'll leave it up to you guys. Yeah. Uh, wow. Um, have you seen any Frightmare, Benno? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Frightmare. This one isn't it? Frightmare is the uh, sorry the Halloween. Yeah. I, I kept making that mistake when I was looking it up. Uh, yeah, the wrestling from Carrow Road. Who thought we'd see the day? Grant Holt, mega baby face. <laughs> the way I described it was it felt like a throwback to SummerSlam 92, but on the dole. Uh, it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was something. Did you both watch it? Uh, yeah, you... I, unfortunately. Did I've you watch the whole thing? Because I haven't seen the whole oh, thing. No, no. Come on. Four and a half hours of that. Jesus. I watched about. I flicked through it very liberally. Yeah. Unfortunately, I've watched the Grant Holt match twice because I watched it last night and I got to JP's and me, JP, and his son watched it. His son found it hilarious. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, so I've seen that match twice. I've seen Grant Grant Holt execute a couple of cracking drop kicks and moves from the top ropes, Samoan drops, and sell his ass off to, to an extent. Twice now, unfortunately. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm an expert on that match. <laughs> he's not the best, is he? He tries, but he, he's very much a, a trainee. I, I was the, I was mainly disappointed he didn't get the full WrestleMania entrance with him and yeah, all the so- Norwich legends could have flanked him on the way out. Oh, um, <laughs> Chris Sutton, Brian uh, but- Gunn, Jeremy Goss, yeah. they're all down there. <laughs> Mike Phelan played then. Yeah, he did. Gee, oh yeah, Wes that- Houlihan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well up for that. Yeah, now you're talking. That, that was a missed opportunity by Norwich. Still, he came out to the man by the Killers, which I do really enjoy as a song. Did you hear that? I could hear it. That I could make out barely. Yeah, that's one of the points. The sound was awful. Although, 
in fa- fairness to them, they did start the show the right way, didn't they? With, with Paige cut, cutting an inaudible promo? No, the National Anthem. <laughs> They've had the National Anthem before the Roy Knight Jr. versus... No, Ricky Knight Jr. versus Roy Knight match as that well. That was great. I enjoyed that match a lot. I haven't really? seen that one yet. Do you not like it? I thought it was a mess. Oh, it was a, it was a beautiful mess. I was Ricky Knight Jr. was a good uh, good underdog, some good flying from him. The crowd were into it. it with him on all the comebacks. Yeah, yeah it, it felt like an early 2000s indie match it did it did in some way like mix it i always think that about ricky knight jr he, he kind of feels like he's got that old school nice you know hard-nosed brit res aesthetic but he does wrestle like a mid-2000s indie guy yeah i suppose zebra kid did a little bit mm, yeah as well back in the days uh roy knight so i suppose there's a little bit of that as well but it felt to me like a match that Wanted drama, but tried really hard to create drama that didn't feel very organic at times. I've ever told you my Zebra Kid story. No. The, um, King of Europe tournament. It's not my story. It's one of my mate's stories. One of my mates was backstage, and uh, Zebra Kid had a match with Davy Richards that night. Zebra Kid had just gotten out of prison, and Davy Richards apparently went up to Zebra Kid and was like, hey, 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 man. Uh, I've been working now for, for five years, so as the veteran, I think I should leave this match. And Zebra Kid replied something like, fuck off, I've been wrestling for 15 years or whatever it is at that point. I'll be in charge of the match. And then they got out in the ring and he beat the shit out of Davy Richards. It was a beautiful sight. Jesus, prison brawl, eh? <laughs> That's it, yeah. Fucking like episode of Oz. <laughs> they fit, the, Knight, the Knight family would fit well in Oz. Or basically oh, any other council based drama. They are basically like one of the Oz gangs, aren't they? They're like the O'Reillys. Mm. Do you remember when uh, Cyril was in there? Oh, Ryan, yeah. And the dad, Seamus O'Reilly, ended up in there in season six. And the mum was the piano teacher in there as well. <laughs> Just when it had gone off the rails at that point, Oz, hadn't it? Well, a family affair. It was like an open door prison at that point. Just like right, politicians are wandering, people are getting murdered, five, five people get killed in an episode. It had gone off the rails at that point, definitely. Ah, oh, it was a, it was a beaut. That was a, a beautiful spoon. mess, if anything was. Oz, when I first watched it, I was like, this is amazing. I mean, it got to the point where I was watching it because I was laughing at it. And <laughs> it was like just great balls out entertainment. Mm. Mate, when you're laughing at a rape scene, you know that something's gone wrong. Like, seri- <laughs> seriously mm. wrong. See, you don't find yourself doing that with The Wire or The Sopranos. So, yeah. No, exactly. It, 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 it paved the way. It paved the way for those. It did. It was them sort of pushing the boundaries, and they went off in some fucked up directions on that show. If only they got Roy Knight in. Let's put it that way. <laughs> There's an episode in Oz. I'm just going to ruin it. Where effectively they kill off all the wives, all the like, wives and mothers who are going to visit them. And thought, right, I found myself pissing myself laughing by the end of that episode. I was thinking, how more bleaker can this? But is that get? because the fucking vicar, what's his name, B.D. Wong, yes. rises from the ashes yes. at the end, and he's the only regular character, and he's the only person to survive, and he just happens to be a fucking vicar at the same time. <laughs> It's like the, dude, the 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 guy who um, who does the voiceovers in the wheelchair who dies and then he just carries on doing the voiceovers. Augustus Hill. That's his name, yeah. Harold Terranoji. Yeah, yeah, he's in the yeah. mate seat. He is, yeah. Yeah. Oh, mate of mine's ex-girlfriend, actually, French girl, Sarah, met Eric Cantona, very jealous <laughs> of her. Family knew Eric Cantona, but she had a rabbit, right? My mate was going out with her. I was like, what's your rabbit called? B.D. Wong? It's like, sorry? B.D. Wong? B.D. Wong? B.D. Wong? After the actor in Jurassic Park. <laughs> in Oz. Big SVU fan. Yeah. She called her rabbit BD Wong. After the He's also Mr. Robot. 
I've never seen yeah. Mr. Robot. It's a, I wouldn't say it's a natural choice of a rabbit. He's a fine actor, and apparently <laughs> does did very well on Miss Saigon. He won a Tony for doing Miss Saigon. Oh, doing yeah. well for himself then. Because when he was in Mr. Robot, I was like, well, the guy from Jurassic Park, and I just went down a, a searching for a BD Wong rabbit. Yeah, to tie it all in together. <laughs> so everyone, yeah, that's our review of WAW Fight Me. Fun uh, <laughs> show. Couple of, I'll mention a couple of quick points about it. Is the show? It's like. You needed to be there live. I'll yeah. say that. Much. It wasn't yeah. a VOD show. Did you? Did I you think see? it would have been fun live? I think it'd been uh, more like it's. Oh. It's like some fundamentally, yeah, like a. <laughs> it's just a very budget, very successful budget it's, holiday camp yeah. show. It's an overblown camp show. It's an overblown mm. camp show. Um, for that, and that's you know, for some people, that's absolutely their wheelhouse, and they love that stuff, and and that's good for them. Mm. I'd say it started off weird because it did the national anthem, right? Mm. And the Union Jack came up, and then all of a sudden there was a picture of Earthquake on there, yeah. and it went through people who died. <laughs> who were they? I'm sorry, who they were. I was like, who's this bloke? Oh. I recognise a couple of them. I mean, I recognise Earthquake as being Drew McDonald. Drew McDonald was yeah, on. I recognise Drew McDonald. Yeah, and um. Yeah, there was there was that, and then there was the Mick Foley bit. Ah, oh, where he was like just walking to the ring, like yeah. the way he had to walk to the ring and the way it was shot just looks well, so awkward. Did Brit he play Rest- his music like four times before he came out? That's what Britt Wrestlemania said because mm. uh, he he went there like you know he's brave man for doing it. going all the way to Norwich to to watch. I'm sure he had a great day out. But one of the things was yeah, apparently they played it three times because he was in the toilet having a shit. <laughs> Um, while it was going on, and and I went back through his Instagram and I saw a picture of a roast, and it didn't look like a great roast that he'd had cooked up at the night house. <laughs> it looked so I can imagine. Yeah, I imagine his ass was in bits. Yeah, Mate, it looked vile. Yeah, it looked like it was. I, I cook a good roast. I like to think, but that I can't one, stand a roast dinner. Yeah. I think roast dinners are the worst oh. dinners in existence. You're so wrong on that. Joe, so good sport left. last week. Roast dinners this week. What are you trying? Yeah, You're not on I, Twitter. Me and JP get this abuse, not you. Exactly. Mate, it's the most overrated food <laughs> in the world. Why anyone? Oh, no. oh lovely roast. Oh, That's bollocks. But go roast. on. Absolute bollocks, mate. You're outnumbered on this one. Terrible food. No, <laughs> it is. Uh, I'm the other way. I could eat one every day of the week, almost. A roast dinner to me is bleak on a plate. It's just a load of like <laughs> horrible boiled greens where they've lost all the greens oh, because you've boiled them to within an inch of their You're just not eating good roasts then, are you? Lumpy gravy that just looks stodgy and... Again, uh, it, does it sound... Is it just me, Ben? Does it sound like he's, just eat, he's eaten ropey roasts before? He's had a Weatherspoon's roast and he's written... <laughs> no, mate, I've never had a roast dinner outside of a household environment because they bore me to fucking And one of mine is I cook a cracking roast. No, nah, I won't enjoy it. Like uh, now, I'll come. Yeah, you can come then. Uh, yeah, I'll pop. not want that. I'll cook at home, or oh. I, or I'll bring something round and warm up in your microwave. I'll have a much better time. <laughs> I'll I'll cook, right. I'll cook a roast and we'll all watch Triple Mania in early August. Nah, oh, well, my biggest fear is going to a carvery. Oh, yeah. That is bleak on a plate. Carvery is one of the great British joys. Me and my mate Carl went for one oh. last week. Piled up on potatoes. Stole all the gravy, so we didn't have any to put on. So that was a nice personal win. Oh, I'm not wrong with a good carvery. Good Toby carvery. Good stuff. I don't like British food. I don't think I can't stand a fry up. Um, yeah, you do a good fry up as well, and Toby too. Yeah, all you can I, eat. 
There's was... a harvester near here, but I've never been. It's not that near. Uh, the one near the big roundabout. It's a good drive, mate. For me, you can get there on a like walk in 10, 15 minutes. No, that's a beefier. Is that the one I'm thinking opposite Oxfam? That's a beefier. Right, the same thing. <laughs> so that was our review of Fightmare, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh, a terrible roast and a banging shit, I imagine, before the show. Possibly the highlight of the show for him. But yeah, as a show, I uh, wouldn't go your way to see this one. It was a bit of a laugh. Uh, yeah, it was different, mm. that's for sure. Mm. Uh, weird seeing a half full, well, less than half full football stadium mm. shot terribly for this show. But. Also, you see the Haladian in the corner as well. Like that looked like a good. Oh spot. yeah, that was funny. If you go, if you go, if your team's playing Norwich next year in the Prem, book yourself a, a room there. It looks like you can see the entire ground. Yeah, yeah. wouldn't you have a ticket cracking view from there. You should see everything. Yeah, exactly. But how, how would you describe that main event, Jay? Well, it wasn't the main; it was the semi-main with Grant Hart, wasn't it? It was the most okay. You'd imagine, right? Okay, we've got Grant Holt coming in for the match. <laughs> Crowds are buzzing; they want to see him. I'm not sure that they wanted to see, in my humble opinion, Grant Holt selling yeah. for a good eight of the ten minutes yeah. that was there. Billy Gunn and Rene Dupri aren't taking the heat, though. They've had that conversation backstage and gone, go on, kid, you're uh, taking it. They have. I'm, I also wonder about how many tickets did people... So, is there someone in the country who went, Rene Dupri's on it, right, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> right I'm surprised you didn't. <laughs> Were you a La Resistance fan? Or? Yeah, if he'd been in TNA. Or... Yeah. What I loved about the match as well was the post-match. <laughs> that, that faction who ran down doing some of the worst running I've ever seen in some of the most budget clothing I've also ever seen. That guy who was a pound shop version of the Shield in his bloody vest wearing his white socks and his terrible sweatpants. Some of the sweatpants that were on show there were just shocking. They just looked like a bunch of bums who would come out of, like, I don't know, a charity shop or something. It was just, it was just bleak to watch, to be honest. And I was laughing, but that guy who was in the shield vest, he reminded me of, like, an extra from The Bill in the 90s or something. Some of his acting was suspect, to say the least. He looked lost. He looked like he shouldn't have been been there at times. His running was awful. And the guy in the red felt shorts, Jesus Tony Christ. Knights. Jesus Christ. He was, yeah. Camp shows stay there, mate. And Holt wasn't kind of selling it either. That was the weird thing. Oh, he, wasn't he, it? he wasn't in any fear of them blokes. Would you, would you be in fear of them four blokes if they were surrounding you? I'm not an no. odd bloke. If they were surrounding me, I'd be like, <laughs> I'd just be yeah. laughing. What if it yeah. was the Knight family, though? What if Ricky turned up? I'd be shitting myself. And the last, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a difference, isn't it? I'd seen Zach Knight lamp, uh, I think it was my oh, security guard at York Hall once during that angle they did at uh, Rev Pro. That was fucking scary. Mm. Those got those blokes, hooligans. I'd be absolutely bricking it. Yeah. So, but th- these sub hooligans who were like the job squad of, uh, well, the shield apparently of WAW. <laughs> My God! Wow. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was fight there. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to recommend it. I don't think. Uh, I still like the Knight family. I still think that there's, oh, some, there's yeah. something endearing about them. I appreciate that we shouldn't let it be be lost. They sold 4,000 tickets for this yeah. thing. They're obviously going to do it again. 
I can't see myself traveling to Carroll Road, unfortunately. No, no. But good on that. They've got a unique appeal as a family. Yeah, mm, and it works. It works in that part of the country. Mm. And for people who who aren't in the UK, but maybe not that familiar in terms of Norwich, it's an arse to get to. Mm. It's an awkward place. They have this show. Is it still a mustard TV? Yeah, and so it's it's broadcast locally. The production venue values on that look all right. They yeah, well, all right. I was going to say, well, they got that TV studio. They mm. ran NXT UK in, didn't they, as well? Yeah, yeah. And and they've got a good thing going. And I know we're being sniffy because from a work rate perspective, they're really. I I watched Aldis versus Brad Slayer, Nick Aldis on that, and that was a. Ah, uh, there's your XTNA. Uh, yeah, ah, uh, there it is. Yeah. Right. And it was like it was it was fine. It was a decent, very basic match necessarily. But that was and that was it. So it's not really aimed at us. But they mm. do a kind of job within that kind of yeah. universe, don't they? And there's lots of people who in terms of their fundamentals, and I've seen them on watching European shows, that you see a couple of, of their guys kind of go about and work sort of places like Denmark and German independence and stuff like that. Mm. So they turn up and they're like fundamentally okay. Never really much more than that. And that's what a lot of this show is filled with is, is a lot of stuff that's fundamentally okay. Not really for me. Am I going to go out of my way to watch it? No. Although if they start getting like footballers and footballer factions involved in this, we were talking about wow. this earlier. I don't know how you feel about Ben. Like, if you had an Everton, if you had a group of ex Evertonian footballers who started to like train to be wrestlers. I'll be a for it. Get Barry on in. Oh, oh, Graham, Graham Stewart. Duncan Duncan Heroes. The- Duncan Ferguson would be the one, actually, yeah. Go big yeah. Duncan. Oh, Neville Southall as the manager on the album. <laughs> Cutting the promos. Oh, I was saying to JP, if that Grant, if the legacy of this show is Grant Holt uh, gets Super a lot of ex-football players into wrestling, I'm well all right with that. Imagine the Arsenal back four from the 90s as a faction. Adams Keown. Dixon and Winterburn as a faction. That's a faction I'm well all right with. Oh. Steve Bowl gets kicked out at some point along there in the storyline, possibly. <laughs> I'm well up for that. Is the Chris Hero of the Shield? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bowl Bold can take on that role. <laughs> it, it, honestly, Benno, we booked a feud that involved the class of 92. And was it Roy Keane would have it like was a team the, of... The, Ferg, the guys that Ferguson was like, I'm going to bin you. So it was... The class of '92 versus Roy Keane, Paul Ince, yeah, uh, uh, Andre Konchelskis, mm. Lee Sharp, Jim Layton. <laughs> um, I'm trying to figure. Effectively, Nicky Butt turns on the class of '92 for not getting the respect he deserves. Well, but being so, I mean, Gary's got to turn on Phil at some point. Well, Phil, we, we booked that. What happens if Nicky Butt leaves initially, right, and then Phil? <laughs> Sees Nicky Butt leave, and Nicky Butt tries to sweet talk Phil and talk about how Gary's undermining him and how yeah. Gary's always tried to say yeah. he's better than him. And then Phil eventually turns, and we get Owen Brett between Gary and Phil. And Phil goes over, and that's fine because you can have that as the as the like the Mania Ten match. Basically, you get Phil over, mm. build up to that steel cage with you know the Neville's in there, referees by probably Tracy Neville. Why not? Well, Neville oh. Neville's dead now, isn't he? Yeah, and he was a rapist. So yeah. Is that? <laughs> is that is that he was convicted? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're on safe territory then. Yeah. There you go. Well, we're on safer territory there than we are with that WAW review because I do feel like the Knights are going to turn up in Oxford at your door, JP. So be careful. Oh, 
Idle. I, I like the Knights. They're well all right. <laughs> are very good, but no roasts are good. So there we go. Uh, yeah, we've got about half an hour left. Uh, do you want to talk the wrestlers? Have you been watching uh, any more of that? Uh, I watched the uh, the Joshi edition that you were uh, you both talked about last week. Really enjoyed it. Uh, felt particularly dirty and creeped out at the end of it, but. Yeah, very good episode. I watched the Deathmatch episode as well today. Don't know if, uh, if either of you are up to date on the uh, the wrestlers documentary series. I've only seen the Joshi one still, so I've got nothing to add. Oh, JP? I've seen the Deathmatch and I've seen the one um, about Mexican wrestlers as well. Oh, the... That's really good. I haven't seen and that not, yet. Oh, not Heavily Phoenix is in it quite a lot. Mm. And it's, it's excellent. Yeah, I really enjoyed the, the Deathmatch edition. It was fantastic. Like, people should run mm. off and... Definitely watch it, Joe. I know it's not your chosen subject, but oh, it, I'll might, definitely watch it. it might. It might. I don't think it's going to change your mind, but it is interesting. Like uh, Junkasai holding his baby while his wife is putting like knives on a bed. Um, into it, polystyrene. Into polystyrene. That's what it is, isn't it? Is I think his story was that he got into wrestling because got into deathmatch wrestling because his dad never believed wrestling really hurt, so he wanted to do stuff that really. He comes off as a bit of a psychopath, but actually really charming as well. His mum's like an absolute national treasure as well, like an absolutely lovely woman. Uh, I really enjoy. I mean, they do that. They do that, and then they go into like the. You know the the underground, not even the underground. You know the CZWs of the world and the the US deathmatch scene. Um, talk to a podcast favorite, Jimmy Lloyd, and all kinds. Uh, I really enjoyed it, JP. I don't know about you. I know you're uh, you're more on the fence on the uh, the deathmatches uh, than I am. I'm I'm not on the mate. I'm I'm not. I'm near the <laughs> you death enjoyed that one media weekend. I'm going to hold that against you. Wire in me ass. Effectively, I'm well away from that fence. Um. I have to say, as a documentary, though, it was fat. I mean, it was. It was. It was always really fascinating. It was one thing for me, and this is me because I don't like deathmatch wrestling. Is that a lot of the times they're like talking about it as as a kind of art form and the subgenre, but it just felt like something like I don't know, it, just something I can't necessarily like connect with. Mm. I just don't fundamentally kind of. They talk about the art and the kind of extremes of it. And in some ways, I struggle to see the difference between what might be an excellent death match and an average death match. At times, I can't, I can't see that. Whereas with the standard wrestling match, I may, obviously I'm able to tell the difference. Mm. Um, it's, it's really good at kind of, and the whole series has been excellent at humanizing wrestlers and seeing them more as real human beings and he's able to kind of, he's a lot more interesting as an interviewer than I kind of expected he would be. Because I've seen the CZW documentary that Damon Abram done before. And that was, and that was good. Although I just found the subject matter. I was like, fuck me. It just like put me off ever going to Delaware. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was your dream. It's not my dream. I'd go if someone else was paying for it. I'd hate it. And then say, look, can I go and visit my sister while I'm here? You paid for the flights. He's only in the next in the next state over. Another story for another time. But I don't know where I'm going. Is it? No, it's not. I'm a, yeah. She lives in Philadelphia. She lives in Philadelphia. There's yeah. not the story. His stories. Yeah. Over. You think she'd like extreme wrestling, wouldn't you? Living here for that long, she fucking hates that stuff. Probably. <laughs> Just ambling. It's really so. It's an excellent series. I think it. You know, uh, and there's an episode of it. it. It's been really good. Everyone I've seen of them have been really good. Mm. So. How yeah. great is Onita in it? He's like, he's so full of shit. Like, <laughs> but, he, but he's so entertaining, like the stories he's telling about, you know, bringing, 
being the be the originator of the death match uh, in Japan and all the other wrestlers looking up to him. Uh, he's great. He's like a real real standout. I think it's this one and the Joshi episode, like a documentary where you know they're going in there and they're interviewing people who like English isn't the, the first language. I do think they do a really really good job of getting like these really interesting sit down interviews with them. Um, yeah, I thought he came across great. Uh, I thought just in general, yeah, it was uh, just a an interesting look at a, at a different subculture. Is the is the Mexican one as good or? Yeah, because it looks at, at kind of um, there's a couple of guys who are in it who've actually signed with AAA. Um, Arch- Archangel Davinio is the one that I think that, that kind of springs. Oh yeah, to- you really and stood out. Things yeah. like, and I've seen it because I've travelled around Central America before, and there'll be points where you're on a bus, it'll pull up to traffic lights, and then people will come out and try and sell you stuff, or they might do some sort of art or dance or play a guitar just like by the traffic lights and then just walk between the lines of traffic as they're pulling away and just collect money and these guys did like a kind of choreographed wrestling routine at the stop sign at when the traffic lights had gone red on quite a big freeway mm. and walking up collecting the money and then they're working for AAA um, a lot of the really interesting stuff is Phoenix because it's like the kind of build up to Phoenix and it's the build up to Mania weekend I want to say is it 2017 Mania Something along those along those lines, and it's he's excellent, um, it, and he comes across as really engaging. The problems of being in Tijuana with the issues with the border and with Trump and trying to get visas, and they're desperate to work in the US, and about how many of them just are wrestling for peanuts in Mexico compared to what they earn in the US. So there's a lot of kind of fascinating aspects of that. Mm-hmm. I'll have to check it out then. Yeah, it does. Damon Abraham's just uh, he does a really good job of uh, of going into these worlds. I think there's so three episodes left um, altogether. People aren't watching them. I know you know most of our listeners are UK based, but I do think it is they're on Viceland in the UK as well, aren't they? Uh, yeah, I think you can get them. It's all in Australia, mm. so it's SBS. Mm. Um, but yeah, Viceland you've got it. And the next one is about it's the wrestling Chalitas from Bolivia, and mm. also about a lot of Mia Yim which is her talking about uh, sort of, uh, being a victim of domestic violence mm. and how that, and, and it's, and it's kind of, it, it goes down that path and given everything, and I've not seen it yet, but given the way the direction of the series has gone, I've got full confidence that he would have handled it in a, in a really kind of, um, you know, excellent authoritative way. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, got, got all that coming up too. Um, but yeah, I suppose uh, before we get out of here, one other big subject, and yeah, one of the first times we've kind of uh, talked this uh, near the end, but a couple of AEW news notes that have uh, came out over the last week or so. Um, I kind of want to start, JP, uh, Joe, with, uh, I don't know where you stand, but I-, I would say I've got a lot of positive to say about AEW. Fighter Fest is the worst name of a pay-per-view of all time. And I include all of the shitty WWE pay-per-views in that. I'm not a fan of this concept. Uh, I think it's fine to uh, to goof on a documentary series, but I mean, how long ago was the the Firefest documentary? Was that was that even 2019? Was it not last year? But I'll, bit I just find it a bit weird for this to be their their second show. I know it's the gamer convention. There's some issues with that as well. But I don't know. Is it a minor issue? Uh, maybe it is, but. Uh, it really it really winds me up i just i can't stand it that, that this is this is the second big look we got at AEW, and it's yeah a, a joke about a, a netflix documentary series that's uh i don't know hardly in the uh, the public conversation at this point in 2019 
I haven't seen. I think at the time it just was. I think it says a lot about the current zeitgeist that these things just sort of move on so quickly. I have to admit, I've not seen the Firefest ah, documentary. I, I heard people going on about it, but I was just like, the Hulu one's better than the Netflix one. I would say that. If you want to watch a bunch of vacuous, vapid cunts <laughs> talk for an hour and a half about Instagram, one guy saying. Hey, we were going to a festival. We were working out. We were doing runs every morning, getting ready for the festival. I'm like, what? Why were you doing that to go to a festival? Like, if I'm going, if I was going to a festival, I'd be looking to see if I had an airbed, getting a tent, <laughs> maybe thinking about buying some supplies, like some food, doing a big Asda shop, I'm not going to run and drinking fucking protein shakes. It's just full of some of the absolute worst people. When it's going to shit and no Don't one's going anywhere to sleep. Now nowhere to sleep and he, he admits on camera yeah i was just going around pissing on bed so uh no one would sleep near us that tells you the quality of the human being in that documentary yeah part. it's just um, full of Jesus. people who live on instagram basically probably people who watch love island or the <laughs> in america so oh, yeah those what? vacuous vapid more I love island joe what's, what's watching then in that case what love island yeah joe, I, I, no i've watched one episode of love island it was like putting my face in a fucking chainsaw it's the most evil tv show i've ever seen in my life this <laughs> time I honestly believe we're going to look at Love Island like we do the likes of Love Thy Neighbour. We're going to look at this show that promoted all of these issues based around body image and what that led to in terms of mental health problems, in terms of self-image problems. And we're going to go, how do we let this happen? Like, seriously, how do we allow this at a time? Mm. It's going to be the Love Thy Neighbour, the mind your language of the next generation. I honestly believe that. Just wait for it. It's a shit show full of vacuous morons looking for a quick buck based on a fucking body entering into soulless relationships based around someone's legs or six pack mm. or the size of their surgically enhanced tits or lips and no lip job looks good don't bother getting your lips pumped up because they look fucking shit no one's ever looked good by having silicon implants in their fucking lips ever one of my girlfriend's mates got them done she was good looking girl can't look at her the same way now she looks like a fish yeah sorry <laughs> I don't know what she had it done <laughs> I hate looking at her. And that's uh, our Fighter Fest preview, everybody. <laughs> Love Island. My girlfriend went around there the other day. Love Island was on. She had to pause it while she was talking to my girlfriend. She had to hear every line of the intricate dialogue and the minutiae of a dialogue that these vacuous morons wanting to fuck each other were exchanging. Do you know what that show fucking is? We talk about men and motors and Euro trash in here all the time, right? Mm. And yeah, I was watching that. Cheeky bit of material back in the day. Big Brother started, yes please, recording that. Waiting for, you know, cheeky flash occasionally, little fumble under the covers. There wasn't enough sex on Big Brother. No. The fucking executives went, you know what? Let's just cut out the middleman and let's make it all about the shagging. Yeah. <laughs> That tells you what sort of fucking world we live in. Thank God ITV. I've got AEW and Fighter Fest going for it. Well. Sorry. I don't know where that came from. But I've got serious anger issues based around TV shows like that. Like really yeah. serious issues. Yeah. JP, thoughts? I, I, I loathe Love, Love Island. <laughs> um, but Fighter Fest, yeah. this is the thing I was going to say. It's... So it's on Bleacher Report for free in the US. Yeah, I think I think we're gonna. It's on Fighters, isn't it? 
I'm really worried that ITV, I think we'll put this in ITV box office. Nah, they've got to put it on ITV4, I reckon. I, it's not been announced, and Fight haven't uh, Fight haven't got the rights for the territory. Fight, Fight have put it on there, and it's, there's a price, I think it's $10 most places, or €10, Euros, I think it worked out as. And for the UK, there's just no price, and they've said to people on Twitter that they're they'll be releasing details soon i think it'll be the same as yeah what we got for for double or nothing i think it'll be itv the people who are the people selling the pay-per-view on fight so they get a cut of the money but i think it'll be a cheaper pay-per-view that's the way i see it um uh, but I'm, uh, but I'm, i think i think they need to go with build this, this up one. yeah i don't this most is, as well though sorry sorry ben i'm oh, sorry i just sorry to tie into that sorry to interrupt but like you know, our biggest what was our biggest complaint about Double or Nothing? That pre-show not really showing the best of AEW. Like yeah. this show's got fucking on the pre-show, apparently it Michael Nakazawa against some video game bloke. The commentators yes. are gonna be two CEO dudes who I think Meltzer. Don't get out on ITV for. Oh, if they put that I'm not sure they're learning lessons. This is like we're gonna go we'll mention the card in a minute because the card looks really strong for a a show that's called Fighter Fest, and I've got my problems with that too. <laughs> But are they learning lessons? Because, I don't know, if they do that again. Like, I don't know if they're, they're listening to feedback. Like, They've also kind of... One thing that, like... I'll get some of my negatives out the way, actually, and let you guys go. But, like, the other negative I've got is... I'm, I'm watching Being the Elite and the Road 2 series on YouTube. And the way they've gotten to this four-way match with Adam Page, MJF, Jungle Boy, and Jimmy Havoc. They yeah. did a skit on Being the Elite with Nick Jackson, Miss Here, and Adam Page. Uh, about who he wanted to face and then booking him against all three of them and then it's turning into a four-way. I'm not that bothered about it being a comedy bit, but I am bothered about Nick Jackson being an authority figure in canon. Like, are they going to go forward with this in TV? Do Nick and Mac Jackson and Cody Rhodes book the matches when it becomes a TV show? Little things like that, I don't know. I'm, I'm still overwhelmingly positive. And again, you know, if we read out this card at a moment, it's a card we should be positive about. But there's little things like that, you know, Cody Rhodes having his name all over the Road 2 series, you know, at the end it flashes up, produced by Cody Rhodes. These little things just make me a little bit nervous about uh, about what they're doing going forward. Tony, he said he's <laughs> no authority figures, that's two we've had now, eh? Yeah, plus Brandy, yeah, it's uh, yeah. a little bit worrying. I mean, again, the line the creases out, I imagine, before TV, maybe it's early <laughs> to judge, but... I'm not loving some of these signs that we're seeing. Did any of you watch the show last year, the CEX show, the New Japan one that Kenny Omega no, got on? No, I didn't. So I did. Right, and you've got to be prepared. That pre-show's going to be... It's not going to be Marvez and Jim Ross who are doing the announcing. It's going to be... It's two... Yeah. They're not bad, but two video game guys. Has he DBS checked them this time? Or? I said... I think that bloke wasn't doing commentary in fairness <laughs> to the to these two guys. And they were perfectly fine actually. They were kind of enthusiastic wrestling fans, but and you know, they're calling esports and stuff, and that's an, it's a skill in its own right, obviously. Um but yeah, the the Michael Jabaley stuff, that was an angle they did last year and he got Is that his name, the CEO bloke? Yep. And um, or Jabaley, I think they just call him. Hmm. But yeah, they've he was meant to wrestle Michael Nakazawa last year, and then he fucked his leg up, so he couldn't do it. So they're doing it this year. But oh. if ITV like <laughs> don't charge for this, you don't want to burn out people from the get go. Put on something. You say the main card is going to be good, but this isn't something. It's going to look very different there because this is effectively an add-on to a gaming convention as part yeah, of Yeah, I it. saw the look of it last year, and mm. I, I, yeah, it's not 
necessarily something that looks TV ready at all, is it? Mm. Not really. It looks like a really good idea. Yeah, yeah. But not, it does. not a product you're going to charge a premium rate for. Yeah, I wouldn't be prepared to pay for this one. Mm. No. There are VPNs out there. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a price. I'd pay up to a tenner, especially if I felt like it's a group of minimum mates. I'm willing to do that. Um, but then again, I don't know. I could see if BR Live's getting it free in the US, then maybe there's an argument ITV do it. I really hope that pre-show is an ad. Mm. I just hope it's... When they say pre-show, dark match. Dark match mm. And yeah. I hope that they keep it dark. Mm. Uh, because... That is something that. Oh well, yeah, it's not a wrestler. Today. Nah, it doesn't nah. look like a wrestler. That's too kind of niche, isn't it? Yeah. It should be on being the least. They should record it and put it on that, and that should be that. Yeah, yeah. definitely, mm. definitely. I think some of the card looks all right. Mm. To be honest with you, I think you know the tag match with uh, is the is this the Cody Goldust against the Young Bucks match? No, that's the next. No, one. That's it's a little bit confusing, isn't it, with them having the two shows promoting at once? No, this is the one where it's got Kenny and the Darby Allen. Um, it's Darby it's Allen Cozy Rhodes yes. and uh, John Moxley and Joey Janela is on yeah. this one. That's it, yeah. And yeah. Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks against Pentagon Phoenix, and they just added yes. today Laredo Kid based off that, uh, uh, yeah, that match with El Hijo Del Vikingo. Yeah, there's some fun stuff there still. Mm. It'll be it'll look like a fun show, but also, I mean, last year it only had about six matches on it mm. as a card. It wasn't like a very long show, mm. so it was you know. Are they? It didn't seem like they've got necessarily too much more. What they do have on there is absolutely fine, but at this stage, like you don't want to be charging for these things. You necessarily want to get people just invested in watching it and becoming part of habit and format, and then charge for all out. Obviously, that makes complete sense mm. when you've got the big buzz crowd. That's you know, that's that's in there. Ten thousand seats they sold again, JP. That's the news. Yeah. Oh, well, is it according to Dave Meltzer? They probably could have sold about 3,000. <laughs> he needs to sit down. Like, there's literally people on Twitter talking about. It makes no sense. Do you know one of the things that they're missing here as well, right, is you know where they're like, where have this audience come from that ordered this pay-per-view and he's doing all these statistics, oh, which seem like they're a bit, I don't know, like they just seem odd. It's a small yeah. sample size and he's yeah. just running with it and it just doesn't make any sense. But do you know what they're missing? Go on. Something I probably shouldn't admit. I didn't have Sky for many, many years, and I managed to watch Raw and pay-per-views for mm. time for years. Mm. I won't tell you how. <laughs> probably guess. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have been in the same position for years. And we've been, as it's been acknowledged, we're a more internet savvy and ready, mm. uh, or ready, ready to accept kind of community of fans when it comes mm. to this stuff. We're used to watching wrestling on pcs on tablets on phones all the rest of it i think he's really missing out on part of the market there by not acknowledging that there have been other means of watching wrestling and accessing wrestling for a long long time and because we're so infused by this company the reason that we are supporting them and we are paying for the pay-per-views is because it's more accessible now and also because we want them to do well, because we're so sick of WWE and it's something new and fresh. So whereas previously, I probably bought about four WWE pay-per-views in my life mm. with various mates who have had Sky, whereas I'm prepared to dish out a few quid on each AEW pay-per-view because I want them to do well and I actively support them, whereas I've never felt the need to do that with WWE. Yeah, This is like the numbers he just, if anyone hasn't seen the story, the news is that the story is that he's kind of, tra- he's comparing the people who bought Double or Nothing 
and saying how many people also bought a WWE pay-per-view in the last year and the numbers are minuscule and it's like like you say Joe like how many people are, this is in the US you know how many people are really buying WWE and pay-per-view if they are it's because they haven't got the internet and if they have got the internet like you say they're either pirating it or they're watching it on the network like I just so I would say like we we had a melted discussion a couple of weeks ago and just to double down on that I do think some of his AEW coverage it just makes me I don't know I don't trust him on AEW and I should trust him because there's that, and then there's what we were saying before, where, like, you say, you'll multiply, well, you know, there were 45,000 people in the queue for, for All Out tickets, so if you multiply that by all of them buying four tickets, you end you could fill three stadiums, and he's doing all these these mental gymnastics and all this, and it's like, mate, most of the people, yeah, Steinemats it is, most people, though, uh, like, you see, I'll, you see photos of people sat there with, like, three laptops and a and a tablet and the phone out, and the mate's doing the same thing, like, I just, you can't see the forest for the trees sometimes with AEW Meltzer, like, the, I could believe there's 20, maybe even 30,000 people who were interested, but not the numbers that he's throwing out. Uh, and even then, I think 20 is probably the number. Um, I could th- I could see them filling a 20,000 stadium quite easily. Uh, not easily, but they'd fill it. Um, like Harrow yeah. Road. There you go. Get get AWF, get Big Tone <laughs> out. Yeah, maybe this is the uh, WAWF done the... Uh, I've been the, 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 the Canaries, so they're the uh, the Canaries in the coal mile for, uh, for AW, for Big Tone. Maybe that's his grand plan. John Moxley versus Grant Hall. Yeah. Jesus. Or Fulham, a Fulham legend. Mm. And we have a show at Craven Cottage at some point. <laughs> there you go. Good work. There you go. They do have that, that really tall defender who's called Knight as well. Isn't he? Is that Knight? Knight? The other Zack Knight? Yeah, Zack Knight. Yeah. Freda Hangeland. Zack Knight versus Zack Knight. Bucky. Hangeland. Oh, there you go, Benno. Now you're talking. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, one last note though on the <laughs> on the AEW show, uh, JP, just because uh, you've seen it and I've seen it, they've put Laredo Kid in this main event with uh, Pentagon and Phoenix, uh, based on I the buzz. Seen it. No. Well, haven't you seen it? Oh, well, it's just me then. Just he, you. Yeah, they had this the, the match uh, in tri- uh, AAA, the uh, Cruiserweight title match with El Hijo del Vikingo, who apparently can't get a visa because I think he would have been their first choice. You must have seen the gifts because, to be honest, if you've seen the gifts, you've seen the match. Uh, the, the, the batshit die from oh, the top scaffolding. The step up, um, what you call it? The step up uh, Spanish fly. Um, where he kind of catches him as he's running. The running, I think he runs along the apron, steps on the middle rope, and does a four fifteen to the ring. Uh, the gifts pretty much do the vast justice, but kind of cool to see that. Yeah, AEW in the books of uh, I've still got the finger on the pulse with guys like this. A match like this happens, and yeah, straight away they're uh, they're bringing him in. Well, you know what Laredo kid should be doing is you know getting himself to Florida, taking off the mask, and learning to work properly. <laughs> what he should be doing not not this kind of gift nonsense uh, that's yeah, that, just saying about in terms wait because it, it, it just goes to show isn't it that they have they, that's what they want to bring in you see laredo kids mm. you, you know they're enthused by it and they want to bring in in that oh I as opposed it. to the idea of bringing someone in and just saying yeah we need to strip you down and so throw an nxt t-shirt on them give them a shit name i get what you were doing yeah. sorry i'm i'm tired <laughs> right. i was lost there i was thinking do you want him to get up one of these Danish promotions that you were watching. <laughs> Body slam. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, watch it. There's some great spots. Uh, it's very right. I plan to. I was hoping to watch it before the show, but 
life. Yeah, sorry, we haven't really again. watched much <laughs> wrestling this week, have we? It's really? not been a big week, has it, for, for like for shows to watch? I was I was <laughs> looking, you know, there was a. I mean, Gareth was tweeting from the Grapple account that there's a, there was a Dragon Gate show this weekend. Um, yeah, Ben Kenny went over in that tournament. Did Get he? that belt on him now. Oh. Stop fucking around. He's the man. Put it on him. The end. <laughs> <laughs> you could do that. Um, yeah. Well, match of it. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, oh sorry, on Grapple, yeah, there was a that's up there. PWA Australia uh, are on Grapple now, the first Australian mm-hmm. promotion on there. I was wondering, you know, apparently, the show All Eyes on Troy. Uh, just look on the app that's gone on. You know, you're up for watching some Australian wrestling next week, maybe? Do you reckon uh, Gareth can swing as a sub? Or... I'm up for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm always up for it. But then I, I watch a lot of NRL, I, I watch the A League as well. So, you know, throw a bit more Australian sport-based content my way. I'm probably going to watch it. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I mean, and one of the things I wanted to say is, well, they've got the OTT commentator, commentator for New Japan on those um, Southern Showdown shows. As in Angus McAnell. No, no, Don Marnell, because he moved out there, because he's a Guinness ambassador. Yeah, yeah. And he's commentating on the the shows out there. And he he was always a very good colour commentator. I don't and like it when he goes to the heel stick sometimes, especially the defender and Walter on those ATT shows. I'm not a big fan of. And I think he's teamed up with Chris Charlton as well, isn't he? Um, I'm not really a Trish, Trish Charlton com- uh, commentating fan, but uh, seems like a good bloke. He knows his stuff. Yeah, I think I think it's probably as as good as they're going to get. I mean, they're not going to be able to use Juicy Gambino, who's been all right. He's, he's, on, the great. Isn't he? he's on the show. I like exactly. him as a coach, and he'll be I running. Good. I think he's a good commentator. Mm. I'm more up on the kind of rotating commentator I, thing than most. I like him when he's on because, again, Chris Charlton's really good when he jumps in with the little facts and the little, you know, the, the trivia notes. But mm. when, like like at Wrestle Kingdom, when he was trying to do, like, emotional big calls, I mean, I'd be terrible at it too. And it's great that someone like Chris Charlton's got the job he's got, but that's not the role for him. He should be to the side, and yeah, uh, yep. Mr. Juicy Juicy should be uh, should be the man doing yeah. the, uh, the call. Callis is still the best, if mm. you ask me. Carino was good, but Juicy and Rocky are the two that Rocky's I like. Great. Kind of guys I was going in there. I was going to say, if you gave me a choice though between Rocky and Callis, at this point, I'd go Rocky. I think they work as a three man booth though. Yeah, I think I don't love three man booths, but when they've done it together, they have worked quite well. I think as a yeah. three man. Even yeah. these Kazuna Road shows, they've had Mav Gills on. He, he's fine. Mm. He's. I've heard a lot worse in terms of commentators. He's perfectly fine. He's enthusiastic and he's a big New Japan fan, which kind of helps. Did you watch Not, the last time he was on? He had to do it with Lanny Poffo for fuck's oh, sake. Oh fuck me! Yeah, he's not been back, has he? No, no. Jesus. and he should never come back. Nope. Uh, any, any other notes on uh, commentary or anything else you want to say before we Watch go? the junior tag title match from New Japan where El Fantasmo, uh, representing Rev Pro, <laughs> won the junior tag titles. It was all right. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. Ah, it's nothing great. Oh, and I saw the Bob Holly and Aussie Open versus um, Absolute Andy and JFK from Superstars of Wrestling of WXW, which was fine. Bob Bob Holly seemed to be loving it out there, and Ozzy Open seemed to be loving tagging with him. And then they did the angle with Walter and Ilya coming out, and it was an interesting one. Um, it, it seemed to kind of work. It's a very different kind of atmosphere at this particular show compared to, say, the shows that we've been at in terms of... T- Tag League and and sixteen carat, so not as kind of buzzy. What sort of reaction did Bob get? A oh, good reaction. Yeah, they're well into the nostalgia for that show. He they're had a fans. good like. He's had a 
quite a nice humble kind of second part of his career as Bob since he got released from WWE. He seems like he's grown up a bit and has yeah, got yeah. WWE out of his system and seems to just be enjoying life now. Good on Bob. Good luck to him. Um, <laughs> Meltzer still says he's a piece of shit, but you know. Oh really? Yeah, but, but yeah, I believe him. He's a change man. Seems like a very seems like a very nice bloke. Whenever I've heard them on a podcast or two. Um, what did you give it on Grapple, by the way, JP? What the the match itself? Mm. I don't think I've reviewed it. Oh. I think I've. To be honest, it was like three point two five. It was perfectly fine for Bob Ollie in twenty nineteen. That's a good rating. yeah, exactly. How and it was like really enjoyable. That's a meet I'd like to see you and Bob Ollie. <laughs> I'd JP and Sparky plug. It kicked off. That's not a battle I'm winning. Yeah, exactly. All right, Bob. And he seems like the kind of bloke who could tee off. There's a wildness in the eyes. Maybe it's the spark plug kicking in again. <laughs> I don't think we can top that. <laughs> Julian Pace. That's a match that makes sense. Race car driver versus race car driver. That's true, isn't race it? Car, race car versus race car driver. I want to see Bob Ollie just running around on, here, on his shoulders now getting a piggyback. Yeah, be. he'd get the Rene Dupree treatment, wouldn't he? Do you remember he'd be the shit out of him? Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. And Maven and all the other young boys, yeah. Um, anything else on that, JP? Anything on the, uh, before we go, anything on the, the what did you think of the Walter uh, Ilya angle? Um, they in heels now because they're NXT guys. I thought it was good. I mean, it's, I, I'm going to be, intra- I mean, I'm, I want to watch the next show, which I think is The Drive of Champions, which is the show they just had, and I've seen some of the stuff that's come on, on that. I'm intrigued to know the direction. They take a bit of time off over the summer, so one of the things I'll be doing is at some point when teaching and having to do that kind of work has kind of stopped, is catch up on some of those bigger shows to kind of get an overview of storylines going into Tag League. I'm wary of it. I'm wary of the playing WWE as the heel, but it's something that they've been doing. I just don't know where, where does this go? Are they going to be around for a while? Yeah, lots of other variables to it, basically. Yeah, I'm going to try and watch that next week, catch up on WXW. Definitely uh, want to kind of get back into the swing of things before Tag League. We're doing Tag yeah. League, right, JP? think so. <laughs> I have to wait and see, but I think so. Yeah. I'll work out a way, mate. Don't you worry. About <laughs> uh, before we go, anything, anything else? Norwich and want to slag off the night family anymore? Blue Islands, Maradona, or are we uh, are we done for an episode? I'll watch Maradona. <laughs> uh, Maradona is one of the best films I've seen in a long time. Long time. It's if you've seen the Senna documentary, yeah, yeah, you're in for more of the same with a crazier man and a fascinating man. Awesome. Yeah, so if you pick up anything from this episode, watch that. I'll try and watch it myself this week. <laughs> and Netflix don't watch Love Island or eat roast dinners while watching Love Island. <laughs> or do both. Um, roast dinners are great. Maybe not so much Love Island, but roast dinner <laughs> and Maradona documentary. That'll be my plan for this week. Oh, oh especially the director's cut with a lot of the footage from him, him at Barcelona. Yeah. Oh, the fucking steak eats and that. That's what you want. You want one of them. Oh, Maradona's dad cooks up the Argentina team in the 86 World Cup. He's like their chef and he's just cooking them steak on a barbecue. (laughs) You see the cuts of steak he's cooking for them. Insanely big. Yeah. Like proper going for it was Maradona. That's one of the reasons I'd ever want to go to Argentina is just fucking shit hot steak. Have a steak out. Yeah. I I bet you'd like to go on a steak out, wouldn't you? Steak out with Maradona. Yeah, I imagine that. I'd die in the process, but I'd give it a fucking good go. Steak out the Gomorrah. No, I want nothing to do with the Gomorrah. Should we get a bed? Yeah. <laughs> I think we can't stop that. 
<laughs> right. I'm not Matt Riddle. No. <laughs> Uh, so with that visual image, yeah, uh, download the Grapple app from the uh, from iTunes, from the Apple Store. Uh, download it from uh, if you're on an Android phone from the Google Play yeah. Store. Put your ratings in there, um, oh, especially if you've been uh, watching more than we have this week. Uh, follow <laughs> Grapple on Twitter at Grapple App. Follow me at Benson Richard E. Follow JP at JP Jiffy. And yeah, we'll be back next week to talk some more Bloodsport, Maradona, Love Islands, uh, whatever siege. comes up under siege. That's it. Uh, we'll look forward to that next week and if anyone's got any uh, any suggestions for us let us know but yeah we'll be back next Monday bye we're men, we're men.